Okay, welcome to Critapocalypse episode 137. I am here with my esteemed co-host slash host slash producer slash editor. And how are you doing today? <coughs> He's doing good. He's doing fine. That's that's Ant speak for I'm alive, partially. Let's hope to continue that trend. And how are you doing? Oh, my this ice week? cubes have almost all melted. That's what happens to ice, buddy. It's really quick though. It shouldn't. It's iron brew. I'm pretty sure it's it's acid. It could melt through most things. Ice cubes are not an exception to that. Melt through stuff. It's the same stuff they make girders out of. <sighs> Your Scottish fizzy. Your Scottish fizzy. How you been? What's up? How you doing? Hmm. How's your week back at work? Hmm. Off again now. Yep. How's that doing? Hmm. Yeah. Cool. Good. Time. Have no money. No. No. Forever. Yeah, that's that's uh, yeah, that's retail for you. Mm. Oh well, at least you're still alive until you know famine. Mm. Yeah, it's a misses. It's mm. a misses. Okay, right. Well, but I mean, like, are you excited that Tenet's going to be released soon? Two weeks. Cinemas no, it's will not. be open. No, it's not. Two weeks. Cinemas will be open. No. Is it July or June? It's coming out. It's July, isn't it? It's yeah, but it's month. not going to come. Sixteenth. Sixteenth of July. They're going to Tenet. Do, they're going to push it back. I'm so excited. So excited. I'm going to be there. First in line in the cinema. I'm going to get myself some snacks. I'm going to go for anything that's open. Because, you know, coronavirus doesn't like open spaces. Mm. That's what the Tory government told us. Open spaces are fine. So if I get popcorn that's open, so if I go and I say, give me a big old handful of that popcorn you pop right there, that's surely safe to eat in this environment. I've got to wear a mask, but I can take the mask off to do some snacking. I've just got to make sure that when I'm snacking, when I'm taking my seat, when I'm moving around the cinema, I don't touch anything. Also, I need a seat that's very far away from everyone else around me. Very excited for Tenet. Can't wait for that that beautiful surround sound. You know, I'm going to have someone coughing over here, someone coughing over there. It's going to be like I'm right in the movie, but the movie's outbreak. Okay, let's get on with it. What do we do here, Anne? There's no energy coming off of you today. What's happened? I feel like I've got to ask a question. You all right? Yeah. Yeah. All right, fine. fine. Tenet's not coming out in two weeks. Tenet's coming out in two weeks. No, it's three weeks. I mean, no, it's three weeks. It won't. Tenet's coming out in three weeks, and I can't wait to see it. It's the timey-windy, mind-bendy film starring... Um, what's his name? The guy from Black Klansman. You can't remember. No, I can't. And it's the guy from Twilight. Who <laughs> <laughs> gives a shit? No, nor do I. But Tenet's coming out. Who gives a shit? I can't wait. Um, okay. It's not a Nolan film. Other than that, there's not really been... Oh, we could talk about the PS5. Uh, PS5's been released. It hasn't. Well, it's being released, I said. So PS5's coming out this year. They had a big thingy where they showed a bunch of stuff. And you said to me, I can't wait to see a bunch of hentai porn about that girl from Jack and Dexter. No, wait. What's it? Ratchet and Clank. The female Ratchet or Clank. I don't know which one's which. Um... <laughs> You said, you said, I've already got Rule 34 bookmarked on my PC. <laughs> Gonna get me a new background. How do you feel about the PS5? <laughs> I don't know where I'm going with this. I'm sorry. <laughs> How do you feel about the PS5? I saw two things that got me excited about it. One is Demon's Souls, the remake of Demon's Souls. Excited about, excited about that. And then Resident Evil 8. Mm. Werewolves. Mm. How exciting. Werewolves. More video game. Also, you got NBA 2K21. Oh, but you're excited about that? Yeah, I am. I am. It looks... I said this to you and you said I'm wrong, but I stand by the fact that it looks like Fight Night. 
It looks like Final Round 3. It just, you're going to have more boxes in there all playing basketball <laughs> with boxing gloves on. No, I, like, I go back to Fight Night Round 3, that game looks incredible. And to a lesser extent, Fight Night Champion. Fight Night Champions. Can't remember the last one they did. No one plays those anymore. I played them. I no, played like them a lot. 10 years ago. People played the demo of the first one. No, I bought all of them. Oh, Same as the UFC games that you take the piss out of. UFC Undisputed 2009 was, I think that dish stayed in my Xbox for an entire year. I used to play it so much. I fucking loved it. What a lad. No, it's not not laddish to play those games. It's a video game. God, you. You and your judgments. Your judgy fucking eyes. (laughs) Is there anything that you're looking forward to from the PS5? (laughs) It's going to be a new Yakuza game, isn't there? I look forward to buying it five years down the line. When You're not going to buy it model. five years down the line. You got the PS4 early on, didn't you? No. It was like a year after it came out? No. Was it two years after it came out? It was a while. Oh. I can't remember when I got it. Oh. You got it before the PS3, PS4 Pro or Slim. You had it for quite a while before then. No, I don't think so. Don't know. Maybe. I can't remember. No, not can I. But you got the Xbox One X, you got the most powerful console available right this second. Oh. And probably for a while, because I don't think the Xbox Series X is meant to be that much more powerful, is it? It's like double the power. That's quite a bit more powerful. Yeah, but like you know how graphics work, don't you? The first generation of games on the new console won't look... They'll look about the same as the, like, the last few games released on the old consoles. It won't be for like five years before stuff starts looking as good as it can. Don't you know anything about technology? Well, I might get a PS5. Really? Yeah. I might get a PS5. I mean, money-wise, bad decision. Really bad decision. Um, I don't really pay, play the PS4 enough yeah. to justify getting a you PS5. You don't have to buy one. I really don't, do I? No. But if I don't get one, I'm going to feel weird about having an Xbox One <laughs> X Series X. <laughs> I might, I might you don't get, get both. I might get both. I don't know. I'm going to see how it goes. I'm going to see what it looks like. Because financially, it doesn't make sense right now because everything's about up in the air. But by the end of by the end of August, I'll know what's going on. I'll be like, down payment. Do you have to burp everyone? No. I'm really just, I'm genuinely just looking forward to Demon Souls and Resident Evil 8. And- yeah, you look forward to franchise because you love franchise. If they released Bloodborne again, I'd buy it again. Mm. Yeah. Because you want to just play more of the same game. Basically, yeah. yeah. If they released all of the Dark Souls games, remastered every five years, and I just had to get a new console to get it, I would. I don't know. I don't know why. I can't tell you why. I don't know. Yeah, nor do I. Anyway, Crash Apocalypse, episode 137. What do we do? We review each four things every every couple of weeks. We review four things each, and then in the end... We say horrible, horrible things about the current government because they're all cunts. Let's get that out of the way now. You do. Let's get that out of the way now. It's not necessary. No, it's not. No, no. Um, Okay. Well, Ant, I believe that I'm going first this week, so fuck you. Uh, I guess my first review, I'm going to review something very important. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I played a game on the Switch. I played a game that promised anime-style battles in giant, crazy worlds... And it delivered on some of that. I played a game called Fly Punch Boom on the Switch. That's not a real... It is. It is. No, it's not. So you have a massive 2D Nothing space. Nothing could be called that. You have a massive 2D space. 
and you play, you pick a character, and you fly around the space, all right, in 2D, so it's like flat, and you impact with the other fighter, so you, you press a button, impact with the other fighter, and it brings up this quick time event where you have to hit a button, it tells you what button, you have to do it when it's in the line, and then that can fling, like, you make them fly back, and they can hit one of the, one of the environmental hazards, which causes damage, or they could press their corresponding quick time prompt, and escape any damage done. If this sounds confusing and difficult to follow, imagine playing it. I really didn't enjoy it. <laughs> I tried finding people online that were playing it. They were a lot better than I was. <laughs> I think I'm just really bad at this, but I couldn't get on with it. I really tried. tried pressing the buttons. I did. And apparently my brain doesn't want to connect to my thumbs when I'm playing specifically that game. I might have epilepsy. Realising this now. It's a lot of flashing lights. Um, this is a really quick review because I don't, I don't have anything overwhelmingly positive or negative to say except for I am really bad at this, but there seem to be people that have the grasp of this. I'm sure they're enjoying it. I did not enjoy it. <laughs> I did not have fun. <laughs> it was not a fun time. Well, you imagine the game anyway. Pardon? You imagine the I game. I did not. Anyway. I played There's it. no game. I played what it. What was it called? Fly Punch Boom. That's not... I played it for like six hours and it was, it was, it, it was, it was a game. That's not the name for real. It is... It is indeed. Yeah, there you go. And yeah, just like I said, I just, I could not get on with it. But yeah, yeah, you know, it works. It looks fine. It's just for me, no positive opinion on this one. <laughs> that's, that's, you know, it's not like complete shit because it does, it does work. It's not like something that I fucking, I was watching it and I was like, well, how does this work? Or how does this happen? It's just a, literally one of those games where you just don't gel with it. Do you just go and play it online only? No, I played, I played, so it doesn't have an arcade mode, but you've got like one versus one against PC, one versus one against players, and you've got online, and then you've got like 3v3 deathmatches online, and that's where it gets really chaotic. And, um, yeah, like, I, I, I spent hours trying to get used to it, and I just couldn't. Just, there's, it's, just don't work. Just doesn't, just my brain, don't work with it. Don't just work with it. Good. I gotta get good. I gotta get better. Um, it's not completely awful. It's just not for me. I'm gonna give it a David Spade. Oh, I should change that because I've got to review the wrong Missy properly at some point. <laughs> and that's not gonna be a happy review. <laughs> Alright, David Spade, your review, Ant. But you don't like, what? Well, David Spade isn't as bad as an Adam Sandler or Rob Schneider. It's further up than that because there's still quality stuff to it. You've got to imagine you've got your Tommy Boys, your Black Sheep. You know, he did some good stuff. With? Chris Farley. Yeah, so maybe David Spade wasn't the good thing there. Well, no, because David Spade was still taking the piss out of himself and being like, but now he's sort of got this weird ego from Adam Sandler's crew and I don't like it. He's not as good. But, you know, there's some stuff to like there. I wouldn't completely write off his filmography. I just wouldn't really praise it either. That's why this gets to David Spade. I think that's fair. I've explained the reason I, I've, I've given it this review ad. What's your fucking problem here? What's your fucking problem here? Huh? That's nonsensical. It's not nonsensical. It's all nonsensical. I mean, yeah, most of the time, yeah. But, like, I, I tend to try to avoid scores because you told me episodes ago... <laughs> I should review stuff in a non-linear way. What? Because <laughs> numbers are boring. So then I started using actors. And I gave a brief well, description. Actually, I said use actors. Oh, did you? Yeah. Well, you came up with this. Why are you fucking arguing with it? Because it was stupid. And I've then stuck you went to and this, carried on with it. I've stuck to this for 137 episodes. 136. And now you're t- it was episode two. 
<laughs> I've said that. I've so for 136 episodes, I've stuck with this. At no point you've turned, you've not turned around and offered an alternative. You've not been like, "This is stupid. Why commit to this?" You've gone, "Just keep doing it." All right, Paul Ross, stick to your weird rating system. I mean, I will. You use numbers if you want to. You fucking don't use anything. How you done? Drinking your Pepsi and piss. Yeah. Cause I pissed in your bottle earlier. I can taste it. It's quite nice. Mm-hmm. Someone's hydrating now. Mm. Well done. Your review, Ant. What? What? what, what, what? Right, um, WWE Backlash, fine, whatever. That was last week. It was another one of their events where they're um, in the performance centre where there's no one there. Okay. Except they, they now they've put up the big old hockey walls and they've got like, they got like some, I think they're wrestlers who are trainees, developmental, standing around, smacking on it, shouting, probably spreading COVID-19 Just between each other. soft toys. Fill it with soft toys like they mm. did in Korea. So it yeah. looks great. Super yeah. fun. They don't make much noise though. But um they did the event. <laughs> it was a big old usual thing, supposed to be the culmination of all the storylines and stuff. Yeah. Uh, it, not much happened. The matches were very mediocre the whole way through for most part. Um apart from a couple of moments, there's some good stuff here and there. The like the the women's tag match was alright. There was some decent stuff. They did this weird thing part way through where it was meant to be the uh Street Profits versus the Viking... What are they called now? The Viking Experience or some shit like that? I don't know. I don't watch wrestling. They were called Viking Raiders, and it was a good name. And then they they turned up under a different name. Or War Machine might have been their name. Do you remember Viscount Biscuits? Viscount. Viscount Biscuits. Do you remember Viscount Biscuits? Yeah. Just a milk... Like a chocolatey-covered minty biscuit. Hmm. For some reason, I was reminded of that when you said Viking. So I thought I'd bring that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But they had a thing where they were supposed to have a match, but they started brawling outside. And then it was like this whole thing where it just got weirder and weirder. And they were like chasing each other with axes and bowling balls. I don't know where the bowling comes into it because I've not watched the weekly show, but he bowled the ball at the guy's nuts. Yeah. Um, and then ninjas turned up and they fought some ninjas. And then there was this whole thing where all the women kept saying one of the Viking raiders was cute, but the other one not so much. And I don't know what was going on. It went on for like 15 minutes and it was pretty tedious and poor, terrible. It wasn't good. The rest of the show, the main event, they, they've they been building up to for weeks, going, it's the greatest wrestling match ever, which between Edge and Randy Orton, because Edge is apparently back now on a part-time schedule, doing the odd match here and there against Randy Orton, who is a safe worker, it has to be said, although recently he um, criticised NXT wrestlers for doing lots and lots of big flippy floppy moves and all these big high spots, saying it's going to ruin their careers down the line because they're going to be permanently injured and stuff. And I just think back to the time Randy Orton dislocated his shoulder slap in the ring mat. He literally just went like that and his shoulder popped out of joint. Mm. So I don't think he's in a position to talk about how to do stuff safely. Um, But Edge versus Randy Orton. Advertising it as the greatest wrestling match ever is a bit weird. And it comes across... It sounds to me like that was a slogan they were going to use for one of the Saudi Arabia shows or something. Because that's, that's the sort of thing they do when they go to Saudi Arabia. They did like the greatest Royal Rumble and all this sort of stuff. And they would do things like advertise Brock Lesnar versus Goldberg as a Saudi Arabia match. Like, you know, because they just do ridiculous, ridiculous over-the-top promotion for Saudi Arabia because, you know, money from the prince. And Vince probably, you know, got a medal or something. I don't know. He likes that sort of thing. 
But um, they had a match and they enhanced it. They said this match is going to be presented with enhanced editing and sound, which basically meant it looked like the match was maybe cut a little bit because it was all pre-recorded anyway. Yeah. But it looked a little bit like maybe they'd taken breaks or something at certain points because sweat just seemed to disappear from them every now and again. Um, but also they had like arena noises. They had record. They had like a, an arena recordings and they'd been edited in quite well into the match, but to give the background noise. So there's a constant cheering and, and Randy Orton chants and stuff like that to go alongside the match. And it was just weird because you could see there's only about like 30 people around the ring like the guys who are stood behind the plexiglass, they ain't making the same sort of noise that 20,000 people make in an arena. But then again, they've been doing that in football, haven't they? They've been like, uh, they've was it was it the Premier League have hired FIFA, um, EA to use the FIFA crowd sounds? I have no idea, show. I don't watch football. You love football, it's your favourite sport. No, it's your favourite, you were saying the other day, you love football. You're saying that you like doing a big kick and... Um, Get a kiss from the referee when you score a goal. I was going to review... When you do a goal. I was going to review that Kickman game. Because uh, it came out on Switch. Yeah. I didn't. Oh. Well, that's a problem. Why? Because, uh, you know, you didn't buy it. Well, I'm, I mean, I'm going to buy it. No. I'm going to buy it, Anne. I just no. didn't have time to buy it because I was reviewing Fly Punch Boom. I've got it on PC. You're on PC? Yeah. Are you going to buy it on Switch as well ago. to support the developer? May I don't know. I it's mean, he extras. gave me the PC version. It's complete codes. Well, it's, that's what I mean. He it's gave the same me game. It. It hasn't got extra. It's the same game. No, it's complete edition. It's the same game. That's the joke, is it? That they call it complete edition. No. No, it's just called Behold the Kick, man. It's the same game that was on PC. If that was someone texting me relating to that game, <laughs> that'd be great. I'll get Dan's texture. He'll tell you. Yeah. But no, um, Backlash is a thing. These are pay-per-view events. They need to... WWE should probably not be doing these shows and stuff. They've had a like someone caught coronavirus this week in the. I heard about like, that. One of the wrestlers has tested positive. For I heard it. about that in the training camp. Yeah, yeah, which is great. Which is where they film it. Mm. So yeah, and I know Kevin Owens has been refusing to turn up, and so's um, Sammy Zayn. Neither of them have been turning up I for recordings. Why would yeah. you? Nah, there's not enough insurance in the world to. You're doing something that's already. So the thing about wrestling is that it's really fucking bad for your heart, like. A mixture of the drugs and just the training regimes and all other stuff. It's fucked. It fucks your heart. So many wrestlers have heart issues, heart conditions after they've done it for years, and then someone says to you, "Hey, there's a disease going around that's blood-based, apparently, um, but it causes bronchial infections, potentially pneumonia, and long-term heart slash lung damage. Get into work, will you?" And people are like, "Yeah, cool. I'll turn up. I'm fine." It's like slightly older boys. I'm surprised Edge did it. If I'm really honest, because Edge is getting on in years now, isn't he? Yeah, but he's been retired for nine years. <clears throat> oh, yeah. But he's got his movie career now. Didn't he do one of the Scorpion King movies? And he's also got another movie called, like, Blood Boat or Money Boat. Money Boat, that's it. There's a film called Money Boat starring him and Kelsey Grammer. He was in Highlander Endgame. Is he? Yeah. Him and Christian are a pair of bandits that try to When you say mug, Endgame, my um, mind Adrian immediately Paul. goes to Marvel's Endgame. But I still, for some reason, heard Highlander and imagined Highlander coming out one of the portals and being like, I've got the sword! Well, there's probably a video on YouTube where someone's just edited a shot. <laughs> it's just hundreds of Highlanders coming out. Because there's loads of them. Yeah. There's this, which is just... And not all of them, are, they haven't even integrated them, right? They've just... They've just had, like, she, yeah. They've just put a clip from the film in the background. Mm. Like, come on, do it properly. I really love Highlander. You probably shouldn't. 
What, the first one? The first one's alright. Yeah. Highlander 2 is fucking... It's a mess, but it's kind of fun. And then Highlander 3 has Mario Van Peebles as the whiz, wizard. The whiz. As, the, as Mario Van Peebles as the wizard. It wasn't a wizard. He's got a name. Can't remember his, The magician? It's, um, the sorcerer? Nah, nah. He's freaking... Um, Can't see Brown as the Kurgan, though. He's amazing. Hmm. That first one where he jumps into the old lady's car is... <laughs> Just, just can't see Brown shaved head. Six foot five, isn't he? He's like massive. Yeah, he's too tall. Yeah, shouldn't be allowed. Um, hey, there, old lady. There's like seven Highlander films though. This does he? Many. Yeah, there's tons of them. There's oh like, right, I thought you meant the, the Koga was in seven of them. No, there? you dumbass, you fool, you fuckwit. Um, but yeah, wrestling backlash. Yeah, main event was good though. The Randy Orton Edge match was good in the end. It was a nice, solid, normal, big main event match. That, you know, had lots of near falls and exciting moments. And they tried to sell it that they were hitting each other with everything they have to the point where they started using other wrestling moves that they're, you know, fate. I guess ones that they had been beaten by before. So it was like Randy Orton getting hit with the angle slam because he had a rivalry with Randy Orton hitting Edge with the angle slam because Edge had had a rivalry with Kurt Angle. So I guess there was some logic there. Mm. You know, Edge did a pedigree on Randy Orton because Randy Orton had the feud with Triple H. Oh, yeah, what, what, pure, was he purebreed? <laughs> <laughs> it's not even a good joke. It's not, is no. it? No. But, um, yeah, it just... Yeah. There was takeover the week before. No one cared about that. That was miserable. It seems like... The, I think the wrestlers are kind of losing a bit of the enthusiasm for it. Like, a little bit. Um... Some of them are definitely talking a lot more during the match, which is what they need to do when it's so quiet. But overall, it's just, yeah. I don't know when the next one is. I haven't really paid attention. But um, it seems like they're putting them closer together and there's rumours that they want to try and do SummerSlam actually in an arena and have an audience, yeah. which I can't see happening. That's because that would be end of August. And have you seen California's that? where they're filming stuff right well, now? Well, yeah, right now, California. What was it yesterday or the day before they had 2,209 new cases in a single day? Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. It, well, California was the only place that had mobile uh, mo- mobile pandemic response units. Hmm. So Arnold Schwarzenegger... I don't know if I told the story on the podcast before. Arnold Schwarzenegger built an entire fleet of vehicles that could create free portable hospitals. Hmm. So if there was, because he said that there was going to be a pandemic at some point, we're getting closer to the point where this is a realization that we need to have. And he said, I'm going to put in, and I think that they spent 1.25 billion in total on these free portable hospitals. Then the governor after Arnold came in and sold them, although they were, so they were in debt after that. So um, he sold those units for 200 million for dismantling and use around the country. Um, But, they were in a debt, in a deficit, because he was spending 115 million per month on defense contracts for California as a state, which were like riot response and and, and tactical vehicles not needed for the police force. And so there was this massive deficit that he was creating. There was also 15 million that went on um, functional lunches and and government business meetings, which was just fucking ridiculous. But yeah, so they had 1.25 billion dollars worth of pandemic response units which could have gone anywhere in the country and each of those hospitals could treat up to 600 people in in proper medic like they could set up a proper medical station they could have hundreds of beds different mm. wings you know 
Can you imagine how much of a game changer that would have been for America as a country? At least for the southern state, because California's in the south, isn't it? No, it's not. No, California's like middle Some, point. Uh, what, East Coast, isn't East it? Coast, yeah. yeah. Or Southwest, yeah. I can't remember. No, nor can I. But, uh, but wherever, country. like basically... It's too they, many of it. They could have one of those for each state in like pandemic hot zones. And it would have made a complete difference to the death totals and things like that. But no, instead it continues to rise. There are over 115,000 now. People have died from coronavirus in yeah, America. because they're full of nutters. Yeah, that and um, they think the number's much higher because doctors are being told to put it as like heart failure due to, not due to coronavirus, but heart failure. So people are actually fighting to get the correct cause of death on their death certificates. Because if they don't put that it's COVID, I think that there's a government, there is there is certain government tax set, no, there is a certain levy the government gives to treatment for COVID, so like testing and things like mm. that. That's covered by the government. I don't know how a government doesn't actually protect them. I, I don't know how people live without free healthcare. It's like being in a third world country, isn't it? Like, it's it, it's the same sort of treatment that you'd expect going to a country like Africa. But even Africa have free hospitals. It's so they're nutters. It doesn't make any fucking sense, does Who it? Who cares about America and their I mean, nut I jobs? Don't, I don't know. I'm just sad. It's all just a mess. It's your own fault. Really? Yeah. Anyway, what are you reviewing now? Is it my review now? Yeah, I guess I'm done. Are you reviewing a thing about wrestling? Uh, Who's your favourite wrestler? Who's your favourite wrestler? Don't say The Rock, because that's my answer. (laughs) I called dibs on him. (laughs) Who's your favourite? Stone Cold Steve Austin is also my favourite, so I called dibs on him too. Uh, And The Undertaker. (laughs) And Sting. (laughs) You can have Kane. (laughs) I don't like Kane. I don't think anyone likes Kane. Well, Kane's very popular. Is he? Yeah. Isn't he a governor now? Uh, he's a politician he, now. He's a politician. I don't think he's a governor. No, he's a mayor. Or something. Yeah, he might be a mayor. I can't remember. You, but... can, have, you can have Kane. Oh, cheers. And Rikishi. Oh. <laughs> Rikishi? <laughs> yeah. Don't want Rikishi. Yeah, Booker T. Booker T's pretty great. Yeah? Yeah. What else can you have? You're trying to think of wrestlers you know the Paige. names of. Yeah. You and Paige? Yeah. You can have... You done? Triple H. You done? Yeah. Triple H. You uh, done putting just loads of silence in there? Yeah, okay, I'm done. All right. Is it my review now? Yeah, sure, whatever. Okay. Um, Waste everyone's time. Yeah, I mean, I might as well, right? Hmm. Um, I'm going to review The Five Bloods. You didn't watch it, though? I did watch it. I watched it all the way through. Uh, it's got Chadwick Boseman in it. You well, what were Chadwick you playing Boseman? while it was on? I wasn't playing anything, actually. I was actually genuinely watching every second of this because it is fucking phenomenal. No, it is genuinely good. So, uh, have you heard anything about it? Do you know the plot? And Do you know the plot of The Five Bloods? Blood. I know, it's a Spike Lee joint. It is a Spike Lee joint! Do you know how much it cost? Money. 40 million. Um, Do you know how much The Irishman cost? It's like 200 million or something like that. Yeah, but... Some ridiculous amount. Alright, so... um, The Irishman (laughs) is a CGI... Effects heavy film. I'm going to speak a little bit about that during this review. Mm. There's, going to, there's going to be a little bit mention of the Irishman, but Defy Bloods. So it's the story of four Vietnam vets, okay, who um, who were all in a platoon. Well, a platoon. They were all in a, a regiment together um, back in the back in the <coughs> Korean War, Vietnam War. It was the Vietnam War. That's that you're paying lots America. of attention. America, well, Vietnam, Korea. It's one of those things where I think the territory has changed hands. Isn't it? Vietnam's still around, isn't it? It's smaller. 
Yeah, Vietnam's still around, yeah. Yeah, but it's smaller. Is it an area? I don't fucking know. I can't remember what the American what the American wars are all about anymore. All I know is they went to fight a bunch of people over in a foreign country. Four people decided to get together to go and exhume the remains of their commander who died, played by Chadwick Boseman, who died in this area. He was the only one of their, their group not to make it out. So the five bloods were four people plus plus uh, Chadwick Boseman. Um, I don't know the name of all the actors. Apparently some of them are musical theatre. One of them I do recognise, but I don't recognise it from a lot of stuff. He played the commander in... in... Fuck, I'm blanking. But Delroy Lindo is the key, the key component to that group because he is, he's basically the linchpin to a lot of the drama and a lot of the action and what happens. And also, he was the last person to see Chadwick Boseman alive before they, before he left because he was the person who told the group, he's dead, he's been shot, he's down. So we've got to leave. Don't worry, there's no twist. twist. So the four guys have gone together and. He went off and became a Black Panther. Literally, <laughs> I'd never freeze. <laughs> no, he went back to America and he, he did, joined yeah. the Black Panthers. He did. He did. Um, uh, and then suddenly, that? America got really concerned about gun control for a little while. Yeah, yeah, because that was the only time they got concerned about gun control was when the Black Panthers had access to automatic weapons and they yeah. stormed, they stormed uh, Parliament building in a non in a peaceful protest, completely peaceful. It was non-violent protest, but they did storm the building, brandishing mm. automatic weapons. Uh, funnily enough, when white people do it, kick down the doors and actually get inside during a pandemic, what happens? Nothing. Fuck Give them cake. White people are the worst. Anyway, so, The Five Bloods. So, um, straight from the off, this film catches your attention. I, you, did you eventually watch um, um, the Eddie Murphy film for Netflix? Um, fuck, I am losing my mind. Norbit. I? No, the the one where he played... Um, I am Pluto Jim- Nash. No... Stop fucking with me. I need your help on this one. What was the Eddie Murphy film? Um, I was about to say Call Me By Your Name, but that's completely fucking wrong. Yeah. What was the name of the film? You know the film I'm talking about, don't you? Yeah. Oh, you fucking cunt. I'm going to fucking... I'm just going to quickly Google it. But anyway, so the, the, immediately, from the first shot, it is bright. It is beautiful. And it is the meeting of four people that instantly feel like friends. In such a fucking change of pace where everybody feels disconnected and, and distanced in a lot of these... Dolomite is my name. Was the Eddie Murphy film? So Dolomite is my name opens up and instantly you're you're hooked. Eddie Murphy is a linchpin in that film. He's he's vibrant, energetic, and immediately you're like, I want to know more about this person. And you fucking immediately they start giving you information like this is how he does this, this is how he does that. He's a trickster. Must be weird for you watching real films every now and again. What do you mean? Well, you know, you, you normally just watch the um, your, your comic booky shit. I watch fucking tons of films. Mm. I literally watch films every day. You watch Battleship Potemkin. Yes, no, you, you lent it to me. You never watched it. Yes, I did. No, you didn't. Yes, I did. No, Back didn't. to the Five Bloods. So, um, so these four characters. How all many get colours to... are in Battleship Temkin? Three. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. It's free. He's lying to you, people. Don't listen to him. So, the Five Bloods. So, uh, these four guys meet up, and they meet up in Vietnam uh, to get together, exhume their friends' roommates, and immediately, like all four of them. So it's it, the first two meet up, then the other two join in, and it just the the way they talk, the dialogue between them, it feels like genuine friends. There's a really fucking good "Make America Great Again" gag, and it's a running line throughout the film. Delroy Lindo, Delroy, Delroy Lindo is basically he's down on his luck. He's not his business isn't doing well. He's he's basically one step away from not being able to afford you know his rent and shit like that. So he's struggling, and he's sort of fallen into the MAGA crowd. And there is, there's How a joke. How old are they? They're all around 70, 60, 70. Mm. So, um, Daryl Lindo's got this cap on 
and it's like it's like oh you got your make America great again he's got like it's time for me to get mine all right I don't care what you're all saying like you know all this but it's time for me to get mine and that's what he represents and it's like I was like what about you at that rally and then it cuts to like the corner so you know like those shots where it's just the shoulder of Donald Trump and then you've got mm. the crowd behind him and he's there holding up his side saying like I want to be rich <laughs> and he's got the cap on they're like I saw you on the TV at Trump rally and it's like I wasn't at no Trump rally and they cut to that shitty image mm. <laughs> and it's all blurry and stuff so you can't make it up it's him because it's like it's zoomed in on TV but it looks enough like him that they rinse him about it um, but that hat comes back in a massive way at the end but yeah so um, so they all they all go on this adventure and it turns out they're not only there to exhume the remains and Del Lindo's sorry Del Lindo's son joins them as well and he goes on this adventure with them he's basically there to babysit them um, but they need the nappies changed and stuff it's not that, they need, their, it's not that they need their nappies changed it's more of the fact that when they're all together they start acting like teenagers again mm. and that's immediately shown because after the hotel scene after the lobby where one person tries to pay for everyone's rooms and they all deny it they go no 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 we'll pay for ourselves we can do this we can do this and Delroy Lindo even turns it down and says I can pay for this myself I can do that much um, immediately after that cuts to a club scene and um, the club is what's it called um it's it's named after a it's named after a really famous Vietnam film. It's the most famous Vietnam film. I fucking Black Dynamite. No, I'm blanking. Fucking. You remember when we saw that Vietnamese kid and he was lying on the floor with his legs <laughs> blown. <laughs> well, that's the, another that happens in this as well. But anyway, so they're walking into a club, and as they're walking into a club, every member of the every member of the cast is being tracked by like a by a camera on a trolley, and they're dancing and moving and like. These are 70-year-old men, but every second of this long take where there's all this vibrant life around them, and then they are the centre of this vibrant life, like literally dancing and fucking like acting like idiots. And they dance all the way through the shot, and is it's this weird thing where none of these people feel their age, and that comes into it later. Uh, but they're all just dancing. They get to the club, they take a table, and then someone comes along and he's like, oh, can you give me money, please? And it turns out it's a local child that's basically a victim of one of the mines. Mm. So he's missing a leg where he was caught in an explosion where there was a mine that wasn't removed from the removed from the area. Um, and Delroy Linda freaks out. He's still got PTSD from his time in Vietnam. So he can't really... Um, he has a lot of issues with communicating, especially when he's drinking. He has a lot of issues with communicating with any Vietnamese people because they sort of trigger his... PTSD. He hasn't been back since the war. He's still dealing and struggling with the loss of his friend. And they are all so close that it just, you know, it's one of those things where that loss was enough to damage his entire life going forward from then. Mm. Um, but anyway, so they all go off on this adventure to go and find the gold. Um, people do die, so the group don't all make it back. But those that do make it back, you find out that one of them's got a daughter from one of the local prostitutes he was sleeping with. And... and it's it's um, it's a weirdly sweet but also a very strange interaction where it is two native-speaking Vietnamese people and then him entering into the scene, entering in a very awkward way. And instead of it being like you find in most films where it's like, I'm your dad. And they're like, oh my God, you're my dad. I need to, I love you immediately. Instead, there's like a slight weird almost not chilliness but there's like a hesitation to like because he's from America he's probably mm. heading back to America there's that chilliness the introduction but at the same time later on there's a warmth to it where you know you can see that noticeably they've recognised that he's doing his best in the situation not knowing he had a child he's now knows he has a child he's now got to change but yeah mm. it's fucking phenomenal 
Like the, the whole. She'd be like forty. <laughs> the whole reason. Well, she is about thirty-five, forty-ish. She'd be older than that. I don't know when it's set. It might be set like a little while ago because I can't remember if there's any cell phones. Well, Vietnam like, was like the sixties. Yeah, I can't remember if there's any like. Well, it went up to the sixty-nine, didn't it? Yeah, I can't remember yeah. if there's like any like mobile phones. Yeah, she was like born that. in like nineteen seventy. She's like long birth. She's fifty. Long birth. <laughs> um. But yeah, so the whole film, like I said, the reason I described that club scene so specifically is because they do something in this that the Irishman didn't do. They respect the actors enough or they didn't have the budget enough to create, um, to either change the actors in the flashbacks or use de-aging. So when they're flashbacks, there's 70-year-old men fighting in the war. And that can be taken one of two ways. Either that was intentional and that Spike Lee saying, these are your characters, these are the people you connect with. If I replace them with younger actors, you may not recognise them. If we change it so they're de-aged, it may look weird and then hinder the film. People talk about that more than the movie. Or it may have been that Netflix weren't willing to give them the money to do any of that stuff and they just had to use the actors they had available. But it, it, it almost creates like a weird, weird, nice connectivity for everything. You couldn't think it would be uh, purpose-thematically for the That's film. why I, I yeah. just said I said that. You said all budget stuff. No, I didn't. I said budget. I said Spike Lee doing it so it continues the through line so you've got these actors Despite and everything. Spike Lee, he would have determined it would be... Jesus Christ. What was, the, what was the Kickstarter film we did for like five million? The Blood of... Sweet Blood of Jesus. Sweet Blood of Jesus. The mm. vampire film. Yeah. Yeah, that was a weird film. I funded it. Yeah, I know you did. Um, anyway, so yeah, so um, they do these flashbacks, and the flashbacks when it's in a flashback. Firstly, the screen it goes from being um, being full screen to to close cap, not close caption, no wide screen, so it's got the bars. And then in other scenes, it will close in from the sides to make it to make it. Um, is it four by nine or no sixteen by nine, six by nine? I can't remember the fucking format. Four three, four three. Thank you. The wide screen um, be two three five oh. Yeah, that's it. Yep, yep. You got it. Um, so yeah, so it, it's a nice it's a nice way of separating out what's because they did it far less successfully in things like Thirteen Reasons Why. In this, it makes a lot more sense. So the bars come in when it's going back to. But it'll go to a two three five ratio because that's the ratio of Hollywood cinema in the nineteen seventies. And if they're making about old Vietnam and mm-hmm. it's set in old Vietnam, it's yeah. the ratio of Apocalypse Now and the ratio of Full Metal Jacket. That was the film Apocalypse Now? That was the name of the bar. It's got the same branding and stuff. Yeah. The ratio of Deliverance. Um, so, yeah, Defy Bloods. Um, it's not a Vietnam film. <laughs> no, it's not. Although, isn't it like meant to be a metaphor for Vietnam? Like, mm. it's people not knowing... The Deer Hunter. Yeah. It is a classic. It is a classic. Deer Hunter's actually... I'd say Deer Hunter's a much... Deer Hunter's a lot of fun. You should watch it with the family. Jesus. Well, like Once Upon a Time in America. Hmm. <laughs> I always put on Antichrist when I want to film Touch the Family. It's, I wish, it's got talking fox in it. I wish that Antichrist had a version where Eric Andre did the voice of the uh, fox and did narration. So just every so often they're fucking he's just in the background going, Nightmare, Nightmare. Fox is only in two scenes. I know. Doesn't he say, like, let there be chaos or something no, like that? He says chaos reigns. Chaos reigns, that's it. Um, but yeah, Defy Bloods. It's fucking spectacular. It really is. You... Um, there is a long period of time before anything actually so happens. Across any crips? No. Oh. Um, there is a long time before any action happens, and the action that does happen is it's all brought about by Daryl Lindo's, Lindo's choices up to that point, and it's really nice that there's sort of a, not a cooler response, but there is there is a um, there's a very natural um, no, it, it just flows very naturally. Like his decisions cause ripple effects throughout the film and it's you know like I said it is 
it is a bunch of 60, 70 year old men and they do have some great action beats. Like, they don't fucking shy away from getting these guys, like, ducking behind rocks and shit like that. And you can tell us the actor's not stumpy because it's, like, the proper, like, establishing shots of that person, like, hiding behind some cover. Um, and also, like, when violence does happen, it's difficult to know, like, there is a clear side we're meant to root for. It's meant to be to five bloods. But once they've got that gold... Not in Vietnam. Once they've got that gold and the, 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 the other agents are saying things like, that's our gold... And they're saying it's got USA stamped on it. It's like, oh, you know why that's got USA stamped on it? Because you stole it and stamped it with USA. Um, mm-hmm. Oh, and there's also, there's a really cool, um, in the scenes where it's back in the past, every so often they'll have like a radio, they'll have like a radio, a DJ who plays specifically like Black and Motel songs. And she's saying like, she is almost like an anti-propaganda, like an anti-American radio host. Because yeah. she doesn't say like, oh, deaf to America and shit like that. No, instead she says, all my black soul brothers have been left behind, but it's obviously this Korean woman and it's got a Korean act. She's got a Korean accent. And it's, it's almost like, um, like I said, it's almost like a parody where you'd have the American be like, well now boss, we got that music playing. We got red. And in, in, in their version of that is a Korean person saying, we understand that you're being left behind. Here's a touch of home in this music that you would love or you, you, you know, listen to yourselves. As opposed to, <laughs> you know, like some fucking hick shit. And it's really like just fucking interesting. But the whole listening thing is, to Robin Williams in the radio back then. <laughs> but the whole thing is is so f- crafted. That's that's probably the, the best word to define it. It's cra- like Spike Lee knew exactly where he wanted to go. And I think the only thing that's evident from watching it is that Chadwick Boseman, they just didn't have as much time with him as they wanted. Because although all these people are connected to him, you never get that sense of why they'd be. He's there for a cameo thing. No, he's he's, he's there to. He's in it for like a little bit. Like he's in about twenty minutes, twenty five minutes of it. Yeah, yeah, it's a cameo plus. Yeah, but it, uh, like just a little bit more time with him, and maybe just like have like scenes where he's saving him or doing something. But they sort of there's a point where they're all listening to the radio DJ and they're saying, "Oh fuck it, we're going to desert this." And he sort of pulls them back together to do their final push. Like their final run, which is what costs him his life, mm. um, and they and they say, "Oh yeah, we're in this together." Okay, fuck it. If you're gonna stay, we'll stay. Because if just four of us are leaving, we're all dickheads. If one of us wants to stay and get this finished, uh, but yeah, cannot recommend it enough. It it is so fucking good. But um, I'm I'm gonna give this to Tom Atkins, because um, it's not like it's not a perfect movie. But I think if you're a fan of some of Spike Lee's old, earlier stuff, it's got some of that in there. But if you're also a fan of like war movies or just movies in general that have a message, name five Spike Lee movies. Do the right thing. Uh, Jungle Fever. That wasn't Spike Lee, I don't think. Was it Spike Lee? Wesley Snipes. Was that Spike Lee? The Sweet Blood of Jesus, The Five Bloods, Black Klansman. Name five Spike Lee movies, other than the ones I named, obviously. Don't want. <laughs> Did you think I was going to be Side Man, Old Boy? I'm going to name all the ones with. Oh white God, kids. Old Boy. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> You love Inside Man. I do. I like. I mean, Inside- sorry. You love being Inside Man. <laughs> I actually do like the film Inside Man. Mm. It's a good film. There's a sequel to that. Yeah, there is straight to DVD. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people. Um, one of the weird films that I watched recently that because um, they added it to Amazon Prime. They added mm. the Man with Iron Fist. You know the Raza. Rizza. Rizza. Um, the Rizza. <laughs> the Rizza. Razzle. Kung- <laughs> Razzle dazzle. Um, he's Razzle dazzle with Russell mm. and Batista. He's great in GI Joe Retaliation. He is. <laughs> he's got one line. No, he has quite a few lines. Does he? It's, yeah, it's a problem. 
but he's um, he's really good in in the the Man with Iron Fists. Mm. A lot of people just let that pass by. It's not he's not good in it. The film in general is great. I mean, stuff like Russell Crowe is clearly having the time of his life in that film. Like, why am I in a kung fu movie? There's, a, I think I've told about told you about the scene on this before, but he goes to a brothel. And he's like, he's rented, he's basically just rented the place out and bought all the girls. And it cuts to a bathtub where Riz is like, we need to do something. And he like storms in and Russell Crowe's head just appears from under the water, holding these anal beads in his mouth that he's obviously dragged out of this woman that's across from him in the bath. And I was just like, Russell Crowe knew what he was doing, right? Russell Crowe's just like, yeah. They're not anal beads, they're ninja bombs. <laughs> I still remember how, how much weight he lost for Man of Steel and then how instantly he put it back on for his next role. He didn't lose weight for Man of Steel. Have you not seen him in Man of Steel? He looks fucking great. He's well spelt. He's yes. wearing a big old overcoat the whole time. No, he's not. He takes the overcoat off and dives into the water. What, Russell Crowe? Yeah. His body double dives into no, the water. Him. I know you want to believe it. Do you remember when he was in The Mummy? Yeah. Because they were going to make a franchise. <laughs> and there was going to be a Jekyll and Hyde film. <laughs> Jekyll and Hyde movie. <laughs> the only good Jekyll and Hyde movie is um, Dr. Jekyll and Miss Hyde, the one with Sean Young. That's a film. The guy drinks the thing and it turns him into a woman called Miss Hyde. Oh, yeah, no, I have seen that. Yeah, Nine- 90s classic screwball comedy. I'm trying to find a bedroom without the overcoat. Yeah, you won't find one. It was a body double. <laughs> There's a picture of him punching a dog. He sent the dicks into space, and then, like, he stood around on a green screen so they could hologram him into a shot. Man of Steel's a bad film. It is a real bad film. Yeah. Oh, it's a real Superman. It's his proper Superman. It's what Superman's really like. He breaks necks. And then, whenever someone needs saving, he hovers above him. Then he lets shitloads of people touch him. That was in Batman v Superman, but... <sighs> yeah. All right, and your review? Justice League was a good film. Wasn't it, it wasn't. It was terrible. It's a great film. Man, man, Batman versus Superman is a better film. I see. Okay, again, we've had this discussion many times. You're you're a Justice League apologist. Apologist. I'm a Batman versus Superman apologist. No, but Justice League is the funniest film. No, I Justice saw that League year. is so fucking bad. It's hilarious. It's so bad. I like the bit where Batman's all like friggin' just a twat. It's <laughs> just funny. He makes jokes. He like he gets knocked over and he's like, oh, something's definitely bleeding. I like uh So that's what that feels like. So that's what that feels like. <laughs> I like the bit in Batman vs. Superman where smoke bombs work on Superman. <laughs> oh, he's gone. Oh, fuck. Where'd he go? He, no, he fired, you saw him earlier. He was um, filing lead off and he put it inside little capsules. They weren't smoke bombs. It was lead. No. Yeah. Pay attention to the film. How many times have you watched it? One too many. Yeah, I've seen it once. It was lead. Was it really? Yeah. His smoke bombs were filled with lead, so he couldn't see through it. Oh. Because yeah. I thought that he was just experimenting on the kryptonite. No, he did all sorts of stuff. I, I've watched There's the a ex- whole bunch of making weapons. I've watched the extended version of that film. Pretty great. Pretty great. Uh, your review, Ant. Fuck you. Um, right, it's my last review, is it? No. Oh, God. Just a second. Right, let's... Do half ass review of Supergirl and Flash. Okay. Uh, they didn't finish. Cause no, they didn't. There was an apocalypse. But um, Supergirl was slightly less awkward than The Flash was. Flash was weird because it was like like two halves of a series. They did like blood work for the first half of the series. Which I liked. And then Crisis happens and then it's Mirror Master. And I like the new Mirror Master. I like... Yeah. That's fine. But it also, because they didn't have an ending to the series, it sort of stops just as that's getting going. Like, just as it's ramping up. 
Um, and now they've got to figure out how to write out Harley Sawyer from the show. Mm. Um, just have someone turn up and say, oh, he changed his face. It's a rubber man. You can do it. I um, but, uh, I tried to find some of those tweets that apparently he made. Because I, I got... Yeah, he's to- trying to be an edgelord years ago, whatever. Mm. Again, he's a whatever, whatevs. But no, they, the Supergirl, the whole thing was revolving around the virtual reality thing people are using it's better than life type thing mm. um it's one of those it felt a bit like you remember that episode of murder she wrote where she goes in virtual reality yes with a very weak understanding of yes, what virtual of reality I, is of course i do and they got this well, whole they, thing was like oh she just puts contact lenses they don't actually put the contact lenses in they just wipe no. their eyes over their f- things and suddenly they're in some amazing virtual world and remember, there's this whole subplot where it's people are going into comas and stuff and being do you remember when she goes over to the programmers and she's like hey that bit with the table is a bit off and they go we'll correct that done then there's um go for it that was the whole plot thing going through and then after crisis lex is apparently a hero to everyone for some Mm. reason well he's changed time hasn't he he's changed history yeah i guess he messed with the book of destiny or whatever Mm. or whatever it was yeah the pick of destiny because he only had he was the last person to have a page of it yeah he tore out the page and he replaced superman with himself which is why brandon ralph superman exploded um Mm. and now he's back and he's also changed it so that he's a hero yeah although um I watched an episode of Supergirl this year. An episode. An episode. I don't like Supergirl. I know that you like Supergirl, and I respect that, but I don't. Racist. So I, I'm not Harley. Um, so I watched an episode, and one of the things that I couldn't couldn't really understand is why does why does no one just punch him in the face? Because he's the boss of the DEO. I know, but uh, superheroes. Why does no one just punch him in the face? Because they're not allowed to. Like, you couldn't even... If Supergirl was moving as fast as she could possibly move, you wouldn't even see her. You would just see his face explode into blood. She's not like that. She's a good person. (laughs) She's killed people. She hasn't. She has. She's a really good person. She's lasered people. She wouldn't blow Lex Luthor's head up. I mean, no, you don't need to blow up. You just... You you flick it. You'd be like, oh, look. Boop. That's not how Supergirl works. Like bloodshot. They got to stop him from doing what he's doing. Yeah. He's setting up a whole scheme, and he's manipulating people from behind the scenes, and yeah. that's been for ages. So he just exploded his head. What a tricksy, tricksy fellow! I would be such a good superhero. Would be a terrible superhero. So just go at the speed, speed of like what the fastest speed they can go is it like Mach five or something stupid like that? Like, um, I'd be like, I'd be like, all right, if I go fast as I could possibly go. And just as I'm going past, I just boop him on the nose with maximum power. It will, the back of his nose will fly out through his skull and kill him. But you traumatise a bunch of innocent people. I mean, how innocent are Americans in the first place? They're all good, goody, goody, goodies. No, they're not. They all have guns. In whatever city it's in. They all have guns. They're all potential shooters. Mm. It's like, they they change a lot of stuff this season. They've, um, they block the DEO. The entire building gets destroyed. Um, by Skinner from X Files, yeah, he turns up and destroys it. And now there's like they've got this. They've got what's essentially the early stages of the Watchtower, but not like the satellite. It's just the literal tower, but they've they've got a little secret room in there. Oh, cool! And they're like, so they're Chloe forming a little Smallville. justice society. Chloe from Smallville is going to be Oracle. No, she's in prison. Is she? Is she the one who's in prison? Yeah, she is. Um, no, there's like you know, thingy, Martian Manhunter. And Kyla Lee, you know, uh, Supergirl's sister, whatever her name is in the show, she's now got, like, this 
She's got a body arm. She hasn't got a magnet thing she had before. She had that thing that lets her magnetize mm-hmm. guns. She's got a new thing, which is like a Martian weapon that she can, with her thoughts, turn it into whatever weapon she wants. Okay. She's kind of cool. She like pulls out a rocket launcher on one and blasts she one can, of the gods. Can she send it to Kryptonite? Probably, if she wanted to. Who knows? She could do all sorts it's with it. It's going to come in handy when eventually mm-hmm. they run out of villains and they have to introduce bad Kryptonites, Kryptonians, and they're just like... They've oh, done Kryptonians already. They did Zod, didn't they? Yeah, they've done Zod. They did friggin'... Um, Dodd. Dodd, his yeah, brother, Ken Dodd. His brother, Cod. They had what's her face, the crazy one who was like, her DNA was inside a human. She's like, takes over. I can't remember her name was now. The robot from no. Superman Three. No, traumatized me. It was like a couple of seasons ago. Why was they, Superman getting beaten up by a robot lady in Superman Three? It was meant to be um, Brainiac in the original script. It was meant script. to be Brainiac. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, it was meant to be how they were going to introduce Brainiac instead, or Metallo, one of the two. Instead, the ultimate villain in that piece was Richard Pryor. No, Richard Pryor drug was addiction. just um, goofing around. He, they wanted him to be really serious in the film, and he was like... They, he wanted to be really serious, and they wanted him to goof around for the whole yeah. film. But, um, no, Supergirl, it's fine. It, you know, it's not ending. The next series, I think what they should do for the next seasons of both shows is, rather than... Because you know what they're going to do. They're going to wrap up the previous season storyline then start a new one. Yeah. Instead, just carry on for the whole season. Give us a whole season of Mirror Master. Like, see how far you can take the Mirror Master plot thread. They're not going to, though, because Flash is going to have Godspeed. You didn't talk as the much villain next about series. Flash. Yeah, Mirror Master's around and stuff. Yeah. And what did Mirror Master... What was Mirror Master's ultimate plan? To get out of the mirror. Um, She was going to kill her husband. And then get out the mirror. Yeah, she wants revenge. And then what'd she do? She hired three assassins. She got out the mirror. Yeah, hold on for her. And what happened with Iris? Iris got out the mirror. No, Iris is still stuck in the mirror. Iris is trapped in the mirror. Yeah, she's still in there. How are they going to kill Elongate? (laughs) Blow him up. (laughs) Just be like... I think they're going to just um, replace her with Sue Dearborn. Because she's like been introduced into the series. Oh, the spy lady. Yeah, well, he was looking for her the whole time, wasn't he? Yeah. Um... I think what they should do is fucking introduce Blue Beetle and give us a Blue Beetle show. Just keep him on. Yeah, Blue Beetle would be rad. No, just keep Harley on. Yeah. He's, I mean, he's a They're twat. They're not gonna. He's like, he's like, what he said was apparently really fucking shitty. Yeah. But have him on for a couple of episodes and be like, look, you said shitty things. You've accepted you said shitty things. Let's get two episodes out so we can kill you off. Give you a little bit of like, give your character some closure. And then we can move on with a different actor. Let's have him say something really racist in the show, and then like, whoa, whoa, and then they just, yeah, we're not calling Hartley on this one. We're not we just, calling because you know what's going to happen. It'll be, the first episode, it'll be like, oh, we've sent him to another planet <laughs> to go do something. Well, they, they were saying they're going to go to Atlantis at the end of the series. Yeah, there you go. He's gone to yeah. Atlantis because they kept mentioning Atlantis a few times during the series. He's gone to Atlantis, and then oh, second see episode. how they're going to do that. They're going to get there, and where's Aquaman? Uh, Aquaman's busy. Mammon. <laughs> what about Mira? Can't use her either. Mammon. And then Mira is just, just here in the background, just it's, off in the distance. No, just, is it Mammon? And then, it, and then for Mira, it'll be it'll be a double, but it'll just play the like the recordings from the Donny the Johnny Depp trial mm. in the background. Like, then he threw a phone at me. <laughs> it'd be like really dark. They're trying to like hint at other stuff in the in the world. Oh, just don't. Because they um, film Scare was in Legend of Tomorrow last year, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah. And it was in Harley, Harley Quinn. That doesn't count. It's Harley Quinn. No one cares. It's, it's the best series they've currently got. It's not one of the TV shows. It's not part of that con- continuity. It's one of the best TV series yeah. they've got. DC are killing it with... Not with Titans. Titans is bad. But they're killing it with uh, Harley Quinn and uh, 
Doom Patrol. Yeah. Some episodes. But no, it's a fine standard series. I, I like the series because the Flash wasn't fighting another speedster for the whole series. I like they were I want to do more. Yeah, his power's been drained They're and like, they never resolved that because yeah, no, they didn't at the end. He's yeah. just got a magic watch now that's like, whoa. Yeah. It's also, why does it, it doesn't always go off when he's using his super speed. No, no it's, it, when he's, um, the more agitated he gets, it's still using the speed stall force. Because he basically has to slow himself down all the time, doesn't mm. he? Um, but he can't, you know, he's, so when he straining getting agitated, he loses control a bit. And that's the idea of oh, straining okay. it because he's losing his so control. So it's like, it's the subconscious process. Like the brain always, running a yeah. hundred miles an hour and all that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but no, that's fine. I like that they've like restricted him a bit. I mean, obviously, the moment he gets the speed force back, he's going to do something like friggin' run around the earth and make it spin backwards or something. I don't know. <laughs> I like the idea that they're trying to make an artificial speed force. Yeah. Because I think that... that I'm pretty sure that happens in the comic, and that's what created Godspeed or something. Well, that's what I think is going to happen. It's going to create yeah. Godspeed. Well, they've already got Godspeeds turned up. There's yeah. been a couple. He's like clear, isn't he? He's like... Well, no, he's, he's white, white, white yeah. suit. Yeah, but he was like an android or some shit. Yeah. Like, he's some android with speed just, force Just, like, shit. if you're going to do speed... Don't do speedsters. Just do the turtle. Say, yeah. Just hold off speedsters until you get to the end of the show when it's going to end and do the final reverse flash thing. Because reverse flash is the, the flash. one that has to... Oh, they already did that, didn't they? But they have... But because the last series ended with the whole thing turning out, the whole cicada thing turning out, it was reverse flash. He was behind it all along. Yeah. Or at least he was sending Nora back in time to sow the seeds so he could break out of prison. Yeah. Basically, his whole elaborate scheme to stop the meta dampening thing from working and all that. But just, yeah, just build up to having reverse flash turn up again and have the proper finale flash versus reverse flash. Um, it's freaking what's his face who plays Nash in those shows. He's like he's freaking great in them. Yeah, he's like, always really he used good. Used to irritate the piss out of me on Scrubs, but he's really good in the show. You didn't like him in Scrubs? He was irritating as hell whenever oh. he turned up in that. I liked him in Ed. What about in Yogi Bear? I did not like Yogi Bear. <laughs> T.J. Miller's in that. Do you know who does the voice of Boo Boo in that? Who? Justin, Justin Timberlake. Timberlake yeah. Of all people. Yeah. Um, but no, I know, Yogi. I can see the next year. I can see the next series of Supergirl wrapping things up fairly quickly, and yeah. then just moving on. And they'll have Lex be the main villain or something. They'll just finish off the episodes they but, want um, to do anyway. They'll make it like an ep- eighteen yeah. episode season. I, I just don't want to do another speed stuff. Flash. Yeah, I just don't get it. Or if you're going to do a speedster, put them in Supergirl. Let Supergirl deal with the speed stuff. I don't understand. Swap villains. I don't understand that that um, blood work as a villain works really well. And He's I'm a bit like, too horror-y for the whole show. But I mean, like that's the point. It was a nice change of pace. It'd probably work better on like, like Batwoman or something, because Batwoman's a bit darker. And I just all more I wanted violent. was I wanted Bloodwork to be like an antagonist for like have him transform at the end of that first half. Hmm. So have like hints at him like stealing shit and like you know doing bad stuff in the background. And then when Barry goes away to go and save save the world and comes back and it's like. Or while you're away, something bad happened, and then cut to showing how Bloodworks created, and then for the rest of the half of the season, just have him amassing that army, and then have the like the whole ending being Flash isn't fast enough to stop everyone who's infected from trying to hurt themselves or trying to do stuff, and he's got to come up with a way of stopping you know Bloodwork from doing that. I think that'd be cool, but no, instead they were just like you're infected as well. He's like ah, I'm infected. We was just um get him deported. Americans would love that. God, they really were, weren't they? That's depressing. <laughs> yeah. You're like British and Indian or something. Get yeah. out of here. You were in that show Heroes. That was shit. Yeah. You were a bug man. Do you remember when the main character in Heroes left his girlfriend in the dystopian future and then yeah. they forgot about that? Yeah. Yeah, that show wasn't. That show went downhill fast. It did, didn't First it? series is like, it builds up. First series, they were like, oh, we've got a clear thing that we're going to do. And then yeah. second series is like, 
you're Irish now. And he's mm. like, I'm, I'm, I'm in Ireland. <laughs> that's and I'm Rocky's son. Anyway, Flash and Arrow, Flash and Supergirl, that's done now. Yeah, done for um, nine Legends months. and Batwoman are still on British TV. Legends oh, has been watched, really I've good. I've watched this all the Legends. Legends has been friggin' hilarious. Have you... Series. Oh, no, you haven't watched it yet. I haven't so watched this week's last episode. episode. Last episode is spectacular. Although there is one effect shot that they could have just gotten rid of and saved themselves a couple of mil and used it somewhere else. No. Um, yeah. Citizen Steel turns into completely Citizen Steel and then for 15 seconds there's a shot of him just dancing to the Fong song oh, in yeah. full CGI. That's and I was needed. like... Fun. That's what's needed. Yeah, it makes more sense once you watch the episode, but it's pretty good. I like when they went to the frat fraternity and he asked the guys to smack him on the ass with a pad and he just turns his ass to steel. You can hear him go, like yeah. It's like his ass made of steel. And he's like, yeah, buddy. <laughs> um, but yeah, that last episode's pretty great for Legends tomorrow. I, I didn't watch all of the episodes, but I watched. I think I watched the last five. Mm. Um, I really enjoyed it. Legends of Tomorrow is one of those programs that you can jump in and out of, though. You don't really need to watch the whole it's series. Fine. They still need to do one where they travel back to the 1960s Batman world. That'd be great, wouldn't yeah. it? Yeah, I know the last one in the series is the um, the one where they're stuck in TV land, isn't it? That's yeah. what's on this week. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I haven't watched this past week's one, which is a zombie so thing. Oh, so you're up to the zombie episode. You got another three episodes to go, I think. Yeah. yeah the I last one I watched was the one where they um, finally got the drink. That was the frat party one where they get the drink yeah. to make themselves immortal and so the next for one's 20 the zombie one. Then after that, yeah. you've got the um, Fate World one. And then mm. after that, you've got the... You've got the Museum of Everything Bad or whatever. So this Legends actually finishes, doesn't it? This actually has a finale to it. Kind of. I think so. I'm pretty of. sure they actually did end the series. I think there's like a whole thing about Rasputin again towards the end. But yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I, I, I jumped in the last five episodes. I watched them all and I really enjoyed it. So I think the Legends is the strongest of those series. Because um, it doesn't give a shit. It's like well, just... it's that and it still has some connection to the others, but it doesn't need to worry about it so much. It's camp as heck. Do you remember when they introduced um, the new Atom? In the Crisis of Infinite Earths, and then didn't bring him up again for oh, the rest Ryan of the Choi. show. Yeah, they haven't brought him up again for the whole thing. He's played by the guy from Supernatural as well. Yeah, but you'd think like you introduce him in that. I mean, I guess he's going to be on the Legends next series or something. No, but... I don't think he is. I don't think he's been added as a series regular. I think he's going to make a cameo in a couple of episodes. I think he's going to disappear because he's going to be in one of the DC films, isn't he? Yeah, he's in. Uh... No, he's in Eternals, isn't he? Is he? Yeah. I think he might be in Eternals. I read the Eternals comic recently. This isn't a review of the Eternals comic, but if you read the Eternals comic, the uh, the one that's drawn by John Romato, Romati Jr. Romita. Romita Jr. Um, you can sort of see... Who, ugly fucking faces. You can see who everyone's going to play. Everyone's got square nose. Yeah, but you can see who everyone's going to play in the new movie. Eternals is Marvel. Pardon? Eternals is Marvel, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, well, I'm sure he's not going to be in a... No, no, he's... he's no, sorry. The, the actor's the actor, in it. Yeah. But Ryan Choi is he's, he's yeah. going to be in some DC film soon or something. Is he? Yeah, he's supposed to be. Like, I think he was actually in the background, or he's uh, meant to be in the background for. Um, oh Justice yeah, League. Justice League. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anyway, you review your third thing. God, your third thing. Yeah, can't be over yet. No, um, uh, I watched Artemis Fowl. Artemis Fowlan. Have you ever heard of this character? No, because it's another one of those books for children. So. Why? Yay! As in, why the fuck are we reading this? Um, okay, so um, Artemis Fowl. I think everybody knows that this is a bad movie at this point, but I'm still gonna I'm gonna give my give my best to uh, to try and explain how I feel about it. To try and verbalize how I feel about it. Um, so, um, in the book, Artemis Fowl is a supervillain who is mm, trying to. That's naughty. Yeah, he's a he's a child who's a supervillain, he's a super genius, and he's trying to steal shit to prove the existence of fairies or to extort fairies to get gold so that he can make money. 
that's the fairies part. are assholes anyway yeah that's the part of the book and I think in the second book his dad goes missing he has to go and get his dad and then there's further adventures <laughs> I never read the books when I was a kid I didn't read the books because there was already too much of that shit around and I don't know if I've explained this on the again this is another one of those um, when I was a kid I had reading difficulties when I was around 6, 7, 8 still do yeah some to some extent uh, but I had reading difficulties like everything that they were giving me I could read it but my attention span was waning and it's just difficult to get through stuff there were things like Harry Potter I could never sit down and read the entirety of Harry Potter there was just you some... were in school when Harry Potter came out Jeez. yeah there was some oh, weird no. there was some weird thing in my head where it just I couldn't focus on the page it wasn't dyslexia because I could recognise write and, 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 and read but it was just it was something about words when they were in that in that format just I couldn't get to um, and my parents basically said, look, there's all these books in the house. We'll go get some more books as well. Just pick a book and read it. I chose Stephen King's It at the age of eight, and I managed to read through it. It took me a little while. It took me, I think, a couple of months. But I managed to get through that fucking Bible of a book. And I couldn't put it down. And, like, from that point forward, I didn't have any problems reading. I don't know what it was. I don't like, I don't think I even I even understood most of what I was reading. But the words and everything else, just I, I could absorb it. I could keep going with that. You liked it because the title only had two letters in it. Potentially. That's yeah. a good point. Potentially. Really easy to read. Potentially. It's a very easy to read title. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so um, so I never really got into these books. And I think they were a little bit... I was about 11 when these things came out. I didn't know they existed. No. Um, anyway, so the film. Completely different. So the film, he is just a boy genius. He's in school still. He loves snowboarding. He loves oh. motorised one-wheeling through the woods and doing tricks. Oh. He only wears a suit, which is like... One of the key parts of the book is that he's a fat piece of shit. And he's not very good at physical activity. He's constantly going like, oh, I wish I could fucking climb this. I wish I could jump this and do this. And so he has helpers that can fulfill those. So he has like a crew, which makes sense in a heist movie because you've got the brains and then you've got the brawn. How solid are got, they? Pardon? How solid are the crew? Eh, so solid. So solid. Yeah. Uh, so he, um, in, in the film, he just does everything. He's fine. He can shoot guns. He can do flips. He can do climbing. There's no real need for anyone else because he's just sort of a jack of all trades. Yeah, they didn't want to hire a fat kid. That's kind of it. Although Josh Gad's in this. More on that later. So, um, the film plot opens up with a with a troll who is a very tall troll. That's the joke. He's meant to be a short squat, like three odd foot troll, but he's actually six foot and Josh Gad. And he's recounting the story of Artemis Fowl and what he went through to get to the point where MI6 had to capture him or try to capture him and put him in these secure oil rig style floating prisons so that mm. they can keep him away from everyone because he's so dangerous, so dangerous, so very dangerous. dangerous kid. Um, so Josh Gad spends about 10 minutes speaking to uh, Kenneth Branagh who directed this and it is fucking astonishing that he directed this because there is no flair to it whatsoever it's so flat uh, but anyway so Josh Gad recounts the story we see that Arnold's Fowl is a genius he be, he picks on his on his um, psychologist and all sort of shit it's all bullshit um, and then Colin Farrell who plays his dad goes missing so Artemis Fowl decides that he's going to assemble a team including his butler whose last name is Butler I believe in the books but in this it's just his title because he's a butler um, who's who's like a super super great fighter he's really strong he's he's super powerful um, and basically they're going to get together and do a heist but they're going to steal something from the fairies so that the fairies have to give back his dad turns out it's not the fairies that have his dad doesn't sound like a good fairy. part of the gay community pardon? sounds like a bit mean to the gay community oh I see what you're doing there yeah I see what you're doing yeah. there. Yeah, that's not what I mean when I say fairies. Oh. I mean metaphysical creatures. Oh. Yeah. Um, oh. 
You yeah. spray them. You just get the. Thing. You just spray them. No, spray they're all like normal people size. You're killing them. They're all like five well, foot tall. What do you tall. think I'm gonna well, do? They're kind of like five foot tall. They're like. Yeah. In the books, they're five foot two. In the film, they're four foot nine. Yeah. What a load of bullshit. I know, right? Fucking artistic integrity up the arse. Um, it's real shad. Like, special effects-wise, story-wise, it's real... Like, the whole thing is set just within a house. It just ends up being within this mansion that belongs to Artemis Fowl. But it doesn't, like, have any traps or anything to use against them. It's just a house. And, like, the fairies come in and they're like, we're going to throw these time bombs. And these time bombs, they, like, suspend time in a space. Which is kind of cool. It's, like, a cool concept. But somehow it doesn't affect them, and then when it does affect them, it causes like a time whirl where everybody's like, fly away from the time whirl. Like in Transformers The Last Night, kind of. where they've got that thing that everyone They're like, fly into the time whirl, and they're like, and the fairies are like, avoid the time holes. And they're like, okay, I'm avoiding the time holes. And then Artemis Fowl's just in his house. Don't tell me to avoid time holes. I'm getting right in there. But yeah, time he's, holes. Just, he's just in his house, just like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to touch the time holes, but I'm going to avoid the time holes. And, um, and Josh Gad unhinges, unhinges his jaw to dig, he's like, and he shits out dirt. Uh, so like he's because he's a troll they're really good at digging uh, the way they dig is apparently with their mouths so are diggers so he's like he's like I'm just going to unhinge my jaw and he opens up and it's horrific it's fucking horrific he like unhinges his jaw so it's comically big and then he chews on the ground to dig uh, it's a bad film it's really fucking bad it's hard to watch it's uncomfortable to watch are you criticising this in a way where you're forgetting that it's for five-year-olds but even five-year-olds wouldn't watch this because there's no there's, there's five-year-olds love Shark Boy and Lava Girl but that's bright and colourful and moves yeah. and there's energy. There's nothing to this. It, there's nothing going on. It doesn't feel like there's any energy. It doesn't feel like Little there's any... kids love baby geniuses. No. Beverly th- Hills Chihuahua. No. No. What's another kid's film? That's... They're all bad. <laughs> Baby's Day Out. Agent Cody Banks. That's all right. Alex Ryder Stormbreaker. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. There's Stormbreaker TV series, isn't there? There is, yeah. I haven't watched it. Yeah. Apparently it's quite violent. Oh, good. Yeah, which is true to the books because the books were pretty violent. Um, it's just bad. Like there is, there is nothing redeem like redeeming about it. Like there's, the special effects are crap. It was made for Disney Plus. Well, no, it wasn't. It was made for cinemas. Yeah, they tell you that. Kenneth Branagh, Kenneth Branagh directed this, hmm. but there is not a hint of any of his directing style. Like the script is a mess. There's got to be a Dutch angle somewhere. There isn't. The script's a mess because it's a combination of several books and no one's thought to say, okay, well, maybe we shouldn't try and combine a bunch of books where the stories aren't really compatible in the first place. They've changed the main protagonist, so there's nothing interesting about him anymore. He's just a boy genius. He's just, oh, he can do everything. And it's like, that's boring. Just make a Jimmy Neutron film. Yeah. Um, and and people make decisions in the film that just clearly... Judy Dench is in this. Oh. Judy Dench is in this. She plays the head of the fairy police. Can't I let her retire? I don't know. She can't see. She plays the head of the fairy police and she puts on a voice like this. Come on now. Let's go and get him. Let's go and get Armour's Fowl. I'm not even kidding. That's the voice she does throughout the whole film. It's a real accent. That's not her real accent. Vic East End accent. <laughs> and it's just fucking abysmal. She's been in EastEnders for years. She was just she's, um... so fucking abysmal. Pauline Fowler in EastEnders. It's an Adam Sandler. There's no, there's no redeeming factor about this. There's nothing to say. How long say. is it? Almost two hours. Jeez. Yeah. It's a bit long for a film. Yeah. It's a bit long for a tech demo. <laughs> it's so bad. I, I dare anyone to finish this. Because I had to, I had to do it over three nights. It's a franchise. It's going to be sequels. It's not going to have sequels. If there's a sequel to this. There's going to be Baby Artemis Fowl. If there's a sequel to this. 
I will... Disney are going to make a Disney original TV series. If there's a sequel to this, I will find a way to destroy Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Well, you're paying for it. You're the one encouraging this. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, I am. Your review, Ant. Fuck you. <laughs> um, so, you remember Star Trek? Because the people who make Star Trek don't. Yeah. So I watched Star Trek Enterprise. Because it's the one Star Trek series I'd never watched. Apart from, I think I saw the pilot episode and that was it. Mm. Years and years and years and years and years ago. So I decided to pop Star Trek Enterprise on, starring Scott Bakula. Oh, yeah? Um, son of Count Bakula. No. Son of Blackula. <laughs> um, and do you know what? It's a really fucking good Star Trek series. Mm. And whenever I go back and look at, like, fan opinions on Star Trek, they always say Enterprise sucked. And at the time, it got a whole load of... Loads of people saying it wasn't very good and all this sort of stuff. You know, they moaned about the theme tune for it. They moaned that it was set in the past and, well, set in the past in terms of Star Trek timeline. It wasn't like a continuation from Voyager or anything. Mm. You know, all this sort of stuff. They moan in that, like, oh, they've introduced this race, but this race shouldn't be around at this time. Like, fuck all that. What matters is there's a bunch of people on a starship and they're going exploring space. And this time they actually are exploring because they're the first humans to travel out this far. Like, they're actually, you know, Travelling at warp five, mm-hmm. well, warp five's a bit of a push. Most of the time, they'll stick at warp four, but they're they're going out further than any humans ever gone in the galaxy. So it's all new to them. It's not that they're always making first contact because you know the Vulcans know about them and stuff like races out there. Vulcans have obviously travelled a lot more by this point. Yeah. Um, but for humans, they're making first contact themselves all the time, and. There's thematics that run all the way through it because this is made like post nine eleven, and part of the whole plot is that there's a great a race called the Sulaban, and they've got this terrorist group that have been like seemingly they're committing terrorist acts that seem like they're at random and things like that, but they're they're all genetically engineered and they've got crazy abilities which most Sulaban don't have. Yeah, and the thing is. And they're getting orders from somewhere, no one knows where, but it's like a message from the future Jesus. that they're getting. And there's like a temporal Cold War going on where you're told that basically these Sulaban are trying to change history to ruin Starfleet, stop humans going out, so that in the 31st century they can basically dominate the galaxy. I don't blame it because humans are kind of shit. Yeah. We did ruin but, um, space in a lot of those series. But they basically, this, the whole... The overrunning plot for the series. And there's like stuff that builds into it where they go to another, where Archer and Mayweather, the pilot on the ship, they wake up in a prison cell. And it's not really like the door's unlocked. It's not a prison as such, but it's clearly a prison complex. And all the people in there are Sulaban. And it's basically an internment camp that they've been locked into. Yeah. And Dean Stockwell's in that episode. So you get a little bit of a quantum leap reunion. That's awesome. Um, and eventually, like, they plan basically to break the Sulaban out of the prison because. It's they're not all bad. Like the whole thing is playing into that not post Sulaban, that post nine eleven thing of right. Those terrorists were one thing. That doesn't mean the entire race is terrorists. I think Star Trek did it so long yeah, ago. Yeah, which is a thing that Star Trek does all the time. Whereas if you look at Picard, the the theme of Picard was all of them are bad. Romulans. We didn't save the Romulans, and we were right not to because it turns out all those Romulans that were behind it all were bad Romulans. So therefore, the rest of the race should have died. There's never a moment where Starfleet goes. We were wrong to not rescue the Romulans. Like that wouldn't happen in this series. There's they rest they break peak prisoners out of an internment camp in this series. Yeah, too right. It's good stuff. And there's loads of stories that treat similar sort of racism topics and 
like the humans are a little bit racist in this because they've never met alien races. Like when when I say racist, it's like they go to an alien planet and they're finding everything weird and scary. Yeah. And there's a lot of horror elements going into it. Like when the Suluban break onto the Enterprise in the first episode, they knock all the lights out. And they're like, you'll see like one of them just go past the corridor. He's like invisible on the ceiling because he's they're like chameleons. Yeah. And they drop down off the ceilings. They can squeeze under doors and stuff because they've been genetically engineered to be able to do stuff like that. And there's all these like horror elements kicking in. Um, like there's one where a bunch of the crew have landed on a planet and it just seems to be a really peaceful, nice planet. And this massive storm kicks up and there's some sort of plant nearby and the storm's kicking up spores from the plants. And it basically makes everyone go paranoid and crazy and they keep see- thinking they're seeing creatures in the rocks and stuff like that. And to pull one of them sees to pull the Vulcan science officer talking to one of the rock creatures. So he's like, she's, con- she's, you know, betraying us. She's going to like side with them and all this sort of stuff. Cause they don't really trust her cause she's Vulcan. Yeah. Um, and there's all sorts of stuff like that where it's like they're playing in proper stereotype stuff where they're sort of like, we don't trust this race, we don't trust these people. But then they learn in the end to trust them because this is the message of Star Trek. Yeah. Hopeful futures and all this sort of stuff. Um the one place to poll is fantastic. She's called uh, Jolene Blaylock. She's like probably the first time there's been a Vulcan officer that I'm really enjoying who like because they're always Spock obviously, legendary. But whenever mm. they do Vulcans after that is variations of Spock. Yeah. But she's like She's a little bit stuck up. She's not too keen on the humans at first. They smell bad. Vulcan women yeah. have better smelling functions, apparently. And that keeps playing into it. But gradually as the show goes on, really subtly, you can see that she's adjusting to it. Like, she's at first she's only eating Vulcan food and all this sort of thing. Like, she's only eating vegetarian food because Vulcans are all vegetarian. Yeah. Um, but later in the series, she mentions that she's drinking chamomile tea and uh, mint tea because she's found it, like, sort of all right. And you won't say it's good because she's a Vulcan. They won't react and say they like something. Yeah. Um, she clearly fucks with the crew sometimes. Like, she'll she'll say something that is... You can't tell if it's a Vulcan being blunt and honest or she's fucking with the crew members for her own amusement. And it sort of starts working for a little bit. Like, just little stuff like that where she's just clearly... she. It's like, it's like that thing where you just can't tell... If she's being serious yeah, or not. Yeah, there's something going on. There's some sort of level of sarcasm you're missing yeah. or something. Yeah, like so dry that it's like you can't tell, but the others laugh. Um, but it's a really nice crew as well. I like, I like the characters. Trip, he's like a proper country boy. He's, he works on the warp engine. Mm. Um, Archer, right from the very beginning, you can see that he fully understands the ship and everything about the ship is his dream. And in the first episode, this flashbacks, his who's father the, was working on it. in this series? Um, it's a guy called Flux. He's an alien who's... Um, uh, Danubian is his race, okay. um, and he's basically agreed to go on the ship because he, like his species, are super social, mm. and he sees this as a chance to get to know humans and study humans and stuff like that. And he uses lots of what would not normally be Starfleet recommended treatments, like he has like leech creatures that he sticks on people's wounds and mm. all this sort of stuff. And he has all these little pets that he's feeding in the mornings. Um, he has a standout episode that follows him around for the whole episode called Dear Doctor, um, where it's basically like he ends up being put in a position where he has an ethical moral dilemma. But there's a planet where there's two races living on there. One race is quite advanced. The other one, they're not as va- advanced. Their language is different and they they get used, they get employed to help out in like meet more menial tasks and stuff. And you're kind of like, oh, there's got this fine stuff. But then you find out they're living in like encampments and they don't have as much freedom as everyone else. But they're clearly advanced in some other ways as if they're like on the verge of 
advancing. Okay. Whereas the rich race that rule the planet have got some sort of degenerative disease that they can't get rid of. And they're going to die out at some point. And he's like torn between whether he should cure the disease or not. Because if he cures the disease, it could effectively stop this other race from ever evolving. Mm. Like becoming the like where they should go in society. Because they're being held down. And it's like, it's nice complex moral dilemmas, which is something that hasn't been done in Star Trek since then, really. Yeah. What was the complex moral dilemmas in any of the Star Trek movies that came out recently? Whether Spock should punch Khan in the face a bunch. Yeah. That's about it. Like, they fixed death in Into Darkness. That's true. And they, uh, oh, they cured cancer. Awful. No, no freaking Kirk gets killed by the radioactive shit. Oh, yeah, and McCoy experiments on a Tribble, because Tribbles, remember Tribbles? Yeah. And then, yeah, he's like, don't punch Khan in the face, because we need his blood. And he's like, you've got 32 other genetically engineered super Frozen soldiers. Just over there. Yeah. Nowhere near as troublesome. Yeah, open one. Yeah. They had and to do a whole tying comic to Into Darkness to explain why Khan was white in that film. Because <laughs> he's meant to be yeah, he's Middle Eastern. Yeah. Um, Khan is his name. Yeah. But anyway, I'm liking the tone of it, the... The ship is a lot smaller. There's only a crew of 83 on it. I was going to say, I remember the but, ship being different for Enterprise. Yeah, it's a small... It's the first ever, like, Starfleet vessel that can travel out and go places. But the crew's only, like, 83. Yeah. In the original series, the crew was, like, 151. Um, the Enterprise-D had, like, a 1,000 people on there. But it was also families and stuff living on the Enterprise-D. Yeah, that was Janeway, wasn't it? No, that's Picard. Oh, who was Janeway? Janeway had Voyager. Voyager's yeah. crew is, uh, I believe, a mere... 130 something it's a pretty small crew it's a really small ship okay Voyager would fit into the Enterprise D's engineering hull area pretty much it's pretty small Um, there's only like 14 decks or something whereas the Enterprise D is like 20 odd but um, no this this, this Enterprise in the NX-01 yeah it's probably only about 6-7 decks or something it's really small ship yeah because there's a lot of this is the this is the one that I remember Scott Bakula has a lot of um, scenes where he's like in the lower, like the hull areas and shit like that, where it's all, it's just all like, like a submarine. Yeah. It's all the corridors are narrow yeah. compared to what they are in the new series. I remember the sleeping quarters as well. They've got like bunk beds and stuff. It's like, a it's like proper galley, yeah. tiny. Every single room is just grey yeah. room. No personality in the rooms. It's all very utilitarian because they're it's their first ship. Yeah. But I like that stuff. I like this proper cool stuff. I just remember Scott Bakula was the only time where you've got a mixture of warmth and then also you've got some analytical Mm. thinking there. He's a very human character Mm. because it's the first time anyone's gone out there and this is before the Prime Directive is established and all this sort of stuff Mm. and you can see the seeds of that and little little moments that are like really good. Like an early episode in the series, their warp engines are being fucked up because some ship has like basically needed plasma from yeah. their warp because its warp core was messing so up. So it's feeding off of it. Yeah, so they like leeching off of it a little bit. And it's not like they're being bad or anything. They didn't realise they were causing problems and there's a whole plot where Trip accidentally gets pregnant. Um, and normally they get it from the sun. <laughs> I remember that one. They're like, normally they're like, they travel around hot suns and like active suns. No, no, they just, they just follow in on the plasma cores. Oh. But um, at the end of the series, they're saying, hey, the engine's messing up a little bit. We've fixed it like 12 times already and Trip's like, no, no, it's working fine. And he's like, no, no, we've we fixed it a bunch. And then thingy's like hang on a sec because they've just figured out how to spot cloaked ships ah okay and they realise there's a shit ton of cloaked ships like flowing behind them <laughs> and it's like a nice little callback to an earlier episode yeah but yeah Enterprise it's if if Star Trek has fallen apart for you which if you're a sane person it has it's only got like two seasons um, there isn't it four four, four seasons, seasons yeah um, it's got a Rod Stewart song at the start you like that wouldn't you what Rod Stewart song um, Faith of the Heart 
Sung by Russell Watson, though. Uh, well, I mean, that'd probably be better. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, only only had four seasons. I've heard season three and four like uh, goes a bit darker and it's a uh, and stuff because I think there was like a there's, there's a like, whole season where they go in well a whole section of it where they end up in World War Two. There's not just that. There's um there's a few. It's one of those one of those series that was very much shaped by the time. There's like a couple of like weird virus episodes and things like that. No, I'll start series too soon. Yeah. I, I liked Enterprise um, when it was on. I don't remember loads of it, but I remember that Channel 4 had it on and it was on on Sundays and I used mm, to watch it. Mm. Um, but yeah, of all the of all the modern Star Trek things, I think I've probably meant to, mentioned Enterprise more than any of the others, just because it's the only one that was close to the time that I was actually watching it. The thing is, I didn't watch it at the time because I'd been watching Star Trek since I was a kid and I was kind of burnt out on it yeah. by then. Um, I never finished Voyager. Like the last two seasons of Voyager, I only sporadically caught it. See, I never, I didn't watch that much of Voyager or yeah. Enterprise. I liked Voyager a lot, even though it's really inconsistent. But I, yeah. I stopped watching it once Deep Space Nine was finished. I kind of went off because Deep Space Nine was fantastic. Yeah, and it just once that ended, I was like, I'm done. But since then, since Enterprise, we've had three, like two, well, one mediocre film, one utterly terrible film, and. Star Trek Beyond, which is like one of the most fun Star Trek films ever made. I like, think the first Star Trek it. film is pretty strong. I it's all right. I like it, but... There's a lot of stuff that bothers me in that film. Yeah. No one bothers me. I think but, I, I think acknowledging that there were prior Star Wars seasons, uh, Star Trek seasons and things like that, I think that that's a good way of doing it. But yeah. I think setting that as a precedent, because they kept saying, oh, Shatner's coming back and all that stuff. And I was like, no, don't. Like, you've set the... You've, no, Shatner's you've used... under a pile of rocks on a random planet. Yeah, you've <laughs> done what you need to do with those characters. Move on. Vigil 4 or yeah. 3? I can't remember. One Nemesis, of the planets. Whatever, Nemesis. No, it's in Star Trek Generations. Generations, Kids, whatever Generations no. was. But, um, yeah. no, 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 there hasn't been much good Star Trek since then, so... Yeah. And it's a shame, isn't it? It's just I've heard, I've heard the minis are really good. I can I watched one of them. Couldn't be bothered. The new ones, yeah. Apparently, there's like a really good Harry Mudd one that's got Rain Wilson in it. No, there's an episode of Star. There was an actual episode. Oh, what generations? Yeah, was it the one where it had like twenty versions of him? No, there's one where there was a time loop. He kept triggering. Oh, okay, so uh, I thought that was like a minis episode because someone was talking about it online. I think there might have been. I didn't watch it though. I watched. I watched like one of them and couldn't be bothered. It's fair enough. I but, watched um, all of those weird alien shorts they released for the anniversary of that, and after that, I was like, "Some freaking animated show coming soon, isn't there?" They're, what, for Alien? No, Star Trek. They're oh. doing a. Um, so this is this will make it's you a laugh. Family Guy esque comedy. This will make you laugh. So I, when I was a kid, I the original series of Star Trek. I only re- I only ever watched the pilot episode, and then after that, I just couldn't be bothered. My dad kept watching it, and I was like, "I'm just not really bothered." Um, but I I went to library one day and I bought a copy of the 1976 complete Star Wars. It might have been later than that. Complete, complete Star Trek animated series book that basically had uh, episode breakdowns for every single episode of the animated story, along with the mm. black and white pictures. Um, and I it's watched, canon. I watched all of that. I fucking loved the animated. The animated series was cool. Yeah, it's weird. Like, the thing is that I think. The problem was that the animated series, when something fantastical happened, because it was animated, they could just fucking do it. Yeah, there's an like, episode where Spot becomes a giant. Yeah, it just didn't matter. And But then the TV show was restricted, obviously, by budget, technology, hmm. everything else. So I remember loving the animated series. And then I skipped, as I said, Enterprise, Voyager. I watched episodes here and there. Like, mostly, I watched the horror episodes, because I thought they were more interesting. Um, it was the same with The X-Files. I watched less of the sci-fi shit and watched more of the horror, the strap horror movie stuff. Because I still remember that fucking episode with Tombs, the first Tombs episode. Mm, I got him on VHS somewhere. Yeah, just fucking great TV. Like, 
Uh, but yeah, it was one of those weird things that I just I never watched those series. And then when um, when Enterprise, not Enterprise, what is it? Um, the one you were just talking about, Enterprise. Oh, it's Enterprise. Yeah, when Enterprise came on, it was on Channel Four and Scott Bakula. I loved Quantum Leap when I was a kid. Yeah. I thought Quantum Leap was great. Yeah, I used to watch that. Yeah, I used to watch that all the fucking time. What I am um, doing that bottle. Sorry. Freaking hell, it's getting in the mic. Sorry. Uh, but yeah, uh, and so I was immediately drawn to Enterprise, but I just, I didn't keep up with it. That was the problem. And also Channel 4, I think they lost the license and went to E4. I can't remember, Channel 4 and E4 are the same channel. No, they aren't. Yeah, same company. Well, they're the same company, but they're different channels, because I didn't have... There's no license, they just moved it to another station of theirs. Well, yeah, basically I just moved it to E4, because I think mm. it was meant to be like part of their sci-fi first day mm. or something like that. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I, I like that series. I think that he was a better better captain than the ones before because Shatner was always led by his dick and wasn't very smart no, no that's a myth Shatner's captain in Star Trek is very relaxed and very slow and very like methodical and stuff mm-hmm. um, people only think of Shatner as friggin Kirk as being like William Shatner so when you get to the movies and Shatner's personality starts kicking in from the fourth film onwards yeah that's when people. That's what that actually probably Star Trek Four is the one film where everyone thinks of Shatner, yeah, and that's what they associate with Kirk with. Oh, and that's probably what they base the newer films on because they just have this idea that that's the character, but it's not. You watch the original series, and he's very similar to Picard. Hmm. He's more likely to throw a punch and get involved in a fight, but and also if there's some sort of some sort of spore that makes you horny, he will be the first person to get. It's only horny. like he only kisses a couple of people in the whole series. First interracial kiss on screen. It's not. Is it not? No. There's even Brie in, in the UK and another show in America. Oh, really? It just often gets credited with it. Hmm. Probably because it's the first one in colour. Ah. But there was a British show that had it, and then they banned that episode of Star Trek was in the UK Love Thy for Neighbor? years. Was it Love Thy Name? Yeah. That episode didn't get shown in the UK until the um, early 2000s. Fucking hell. Because the BBC refused to show it. That's the BBC And it was thing. available on video in all sorts, but... It's like 40 Towers, isn't it? Mm. It's nonsense. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, nonsense. What's your last thing? My last thing is going to be The Last of Us Part 2. Never heard of it. On PS4 Pro. It's not a real thing. I'd say on PS4 Pro, just in case anyone's had any issues on PS4, like base PS4 or PS4 Slim, um, because I have had a buttery smooth experience playing this game. Um, I haven't completed it fully yet. I am far enough in that I've gotten to the points that most people complain about. Um, and I have some interesting thoughts. Don't spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm going to spoiling it. I'm not going to spoil it. I'm just going to talk about it in general, and and I'm going to go over what I can the plot without spoiling anything. So, Last of Us Part Two continues on from The Last of Us. Obviously, what? at the end of the game, Joel made a decision to save Ellie um, instead of instead of letting her be sacrificed so they could potentially develop a cure. She had a growth in her brain. Seems the spores were localized to that, and her body didn't react in the same way anyone else's. Mm. Oh, sorry, I'm yawning. Ah. Okay, so Last of Us Part Two opens up five years later. Five years later, um, Ellie is now doing patrols with um, with various members of the village. They live in Jackson. Jackson's this massive town. They've got power from the local hydro dam because that was part of the ending of Last of Us. Um, and they've got a natural society. Like, there are people who are in relationships, there are kids, you know, they've got farm animals. It seems like life has returned to some level of normality. And these patrols go out and they just basically clear off, clear off clickers and runners. That's the name of the base infected, um, from various areas in, around where they sort of get left behind by hordes and things like that. Okay? Because they seem to migrate. Yeah, basically the, uh, the infected seem to migrate 
periodically throughout the year. Mm. And so what they do is areas where they might get like caught in houses and things like that, or they might just like lose track of the rest of the herd. They go around, they pick those off just to make sure the area is clean. Um, we're introduced to Jesse, who is a good friend of Ellie. Um, he is quite possibly one of the most charming characters to be in this universe. He's the only person who um, who has grown up in, in, in the world of The Last of Us who doesn't seem to be completely damaged by it. Because Ellie, at this point, she's struggling with PTSD over everything that she went through in the first, film, in the first game. And then also there's an event in this that triggers further PTSD and she starts having moments where when there's extreme stress, instead of her hearing audio, you get like a tinnitus-style ringing that becomes the focus of the audio and everything sort of like sort of like drowns out mm. and instead you hear a heartbeat and that, that ringing and it's a good effect because that's apparently that's what it's like in PTSD when an explosion goes off uh, sorry when you're in war and an explosion goes off your body reacts in much the same way it doesn't really know how to deal with sounds and vision all at the same time and you're sort of discombobulated by it and also concussive grenades they can have an effect on your vision and your hearing but anyway so events like that can happen throughout the game and Ellie um, as I said was going on patrols with this guy named Jesse who's dating or was dating Dina Dina has since split up with him and Ellie at the beginning of the game is um, talking to Jesse, who again, best friend in a very playful way. He's teasing her because she kissed Dina the night before. Um, in that happening, there's been a lot of strife in the camp. So basically everybody was drunk, having a party. Um, Joel punched the local bigot in the face because he said something derogatory about Ellie, something that I'm assuming is a gay slur um, because she was kissing Dina Dina has shown interest in Ellie since breaking up with Jesse, and so that's the relationship that's forming. So all the promotional material, the girl that Ellie's with, the girl that she's kissing, mm. I think there's been a couple of images of them lying in bed together. That's Dina. Oh. All right. So Jesse, back to Jesse, because this is important. Really, really cool guy. Very, very interesting. He he constantly makes little jabs at Ellie, but in a very friendly way, but it's almost like um, someone who has uh, Asperger's syndrome trying to talk to a normal person. So when he makes a joke, when he's like, he's like, I can't believe you kissed my ex. And she's like, I'm, I'm really sorry, Jess. I, I, I don't really, I, I don't really have any excuse for what I did. Plus she kissed me. And he's like, I'm messing with you. And she's like, Oh, and it's like, but so soon after we split up and she's like, I'm really sorry. And he's like, I'm still messing with you. I'm just fucking with you. It's fine like that. And there's a nice backwards and like back and forth between the yeah. two. And it feels really natural because they do the Gears of, Gears of War walk and talk instead of the fingers to the ear. You've got both the characters and you walk around. And it's a great chance to see one of the strengths of this game. And that is the visual fidelity of everything that happens in the world. So I thought for a long time that Red Dead Redemption 2 was kind of the height of graphics because the way that game looks in certain situations when you can see various effects all happening at once, it's spectacular. Yeah, it's a good it's a good uh, endorsement of crunch and force making devs work ridiculous hours. Yeah, that was going to be a point at the end. We'll get into that. <laughs> oh, I spoiled the game. No. But the end of the game, that was gonna be the something. real villain is crunch. Yeah, that was going to be something that I mentioned towards the end. But um, but yeah, so basically, um, yeah, you play as Ellie. Instead of, instead of Joel, because Joel previously was the main character, you play as Ellie. Joel's older, and he's almost like a completely different character in this. I don't know if that's good or bad, or I don't know if that's on purpose for the story, or if they wanted to make it so that he was basically um, transplanting Ellie into the daughter, the daughter um, figure because of everything that happened with his daughter in the first game. I don't know. but She it, got eat. She did. Uh, but he seems to be completely warm. Well, no, she got shot. She got shot and died. At the beginning no. of the game, you remember they're trying to get away and she gets shot? Yeah, and I remember that. Hands, yeah. Um, but in this, like, he seems to instantly be warm. Like, he's he's like, everything's about, like, hu- he hugs her and he's, like, teaching her to play guitar. And it feels like it's a completely different character. I still 
like the reason Ellie's like that is because of her interactions with Joel. Hmm. Like before that, you see her in the in the prequel game, and you see her in Last of Us as well. She's a lot more kind of fun, jokey, and sort of silly. Hmm. In this, most of her jokes are like, "Oh fuck you, just fuck you, ah, oh, you're asshole." They're not jokes. She's just yeah, she's being just defensive. Um, but yeah, and and although I love those interactions, again, it's very warm interactions in a situation that's, that's incredibly difficult and incredibly terrifying. Um, and there are some great flashback moments where you see, but again, you've given them only five years. If you say put this game at ten years, I could believe that transition. I could believe that someone's built that relationship and they're truly like they're like, look, you know. Uh, but instead, it's like. In the space of five years, they've got three different moments where one where they go to a museum and they see a museum, they see dinosaurs and things like that. And she's explaining about space because she's very interested in space and learning about space. Um, and it's a very sweet moment, but that looks like it happens three years after everything that happened where she was trapped in a hospital about to be dissected. And he dragged her out and then took her to a thing. And like, you know, it just, it, it feels like too short a space of time for him to be like, Hey, I'm your dad. I'm your daddy. I'm your daddy. Like, I, it just, yeah, a weird decision. But that's besides the point. It doesn't really ruin what I think is a fairly strong story for the most part. Hmm. So, uh, something happens in the beginning. Ellie is on the warpath. In the beginning, you play as two characters. You play as Abby and Ellie. When you're playing as Ellie, she's very fast. She's very quick. And also, she's got that semi invulnerability of not being able to get infected by the creature. So, you almost feel like a superpowered person in a world of no superpowers. And you do a bit of exploring, you get used to the, the new moves. So there are things like you can now throw ropes to make like makeshift like winches and also to climb up and, and just to plug stuff in. There is a mechanic where you start generators and they have massive like industrial sockets. And if you don't have a long enough cable to reach like another, another thing that you want to power, you can throw them over fences or under, mm. under fences and drag it. And as she's walking with it, she like twirls it around her arm or releases it as it like gets further away. Like you have a limited amount. Um, and also there's a guitar mechanic that's pretty cool. So you have five different sets of chords and there are different times within the game where you play a song. And the way you play it is the thumbstick, you you have the chords in a circle. You hold the thumbstick in the direction you want the circle and then you rub your thumb up and down the thumb pad to play it. Yeah. And I was playing around with it and you can actually play individual strings yeah. and you can play either up or down. You can like sort of, you can just, yeah, you can go a bit mad with it. It's really cool. Um, someone had to work on that for months and then. Yeah, and they had to go through crunch. We're going to get to yeah. that. Um, whereas Abby, Abby, the other character, feels a lot more like um, a military, a military person. Mm-hmm. Like they're movement wise. Ellie's a little bit more all over the place. And when she jumps and grabs stuff, she like sort of slips a lot of the time. She doesn't quite make it all the way and then has to drag herself up. Abby feels like a fucking built person, like a mm-hmm. stocky person, like just powering through um but also with abby i i didn't really feel like there was enough of a difference between her and ellie so when you're you can almost transplant the two into either side and it just wouldn't make much of a difference yeah but it's the last of us not the last of one yeah, of them you gotta have an us that's true that's so, a plural so um in abby's there story seems to be quite a few people around yeah in there are fucking hundreds in this you commit genocide yeah. you kill so many people yeah. Um, in Abby's side of the story, she's basically determined to go and find someone who's gone missing from her crew. Um, then you find out it's not actually someone who's missing from her crew. It's someone who may or may not have wronged her in the past, which brings her to meet Joel and Tommy. They just about escaped from a horde of infected. And when I mean a horde, like when I say a horde, there's like a hundred of them all running from all over the place. It's a really cool sequence. Mm. Um, but you manage to get away from them and hide in a mansion. And that kicks off the next section again, where you basically become Ellie and you go on to the revenge story. Um, 
And and then you change back to Abby, and Abby has a storyline that follows in conjunction. Well, basically, they run they run next to each other, so they run conge- con- consecutive consecutively. These concurrently, two, concurrently. Thank you. These two stories are, are happening at the same time concurrently. Um, so so you basically you have Seattle Day One for Abby for um, Ellie, and you play through until you get to the aquarium, and then it switches to Abby, and you do. Seattle day one. And the problem with that is that by the time that you get to Abby's story, people that you have encountered in Ellie's story that you know the end of, or you know the beginning of, or you know some sort of story beat that means that their story is no longer, no longer a mystery to you, you then interact with those people as Abby. But the problem is that you've already interacted with them in a negative way. So mm-hmm. it's difficult to feel any sort of emotional impact to knowing what happens to them because you know that they reacted to you a certain way at the end of their life or at the point that you met them as Ellie. So it's very strange, but they've cut the story up into essentially A and B scenarios like Resident Evil 2. Sure, it's just not to show a contrast of character. If you want to show a contrast and if you want us to slowly feel it should have been Abby Seattle Day 1, Ellie Seattle Day 1. Abby Seattle Day 2. No, no, you've got to feel the other way around so you feel bad about what you do as Ellie. But you you want to set the seeds of these being actual people and then have the action by Ellie. No, no, because if you play through as Ellie first, you're, they're just bad guys. And then you play as the other character, you're like, oh, but they had a life. The problem is, when you encounter almost every one of these people in mm. Ellie's storyline, they try to kill you immediately. Yeah. Regardless of your action, there is no emotion to these people there is no they are savage monsters trying to kill you even if they have a personality in this that personality disappears as soon as they see a 18 uh, year old girl travelling through a land no, by herself 18 year old girl <laughs> it just doesn't make much sense mm. and it should have been something where you duck in and out of each story because then at least you've got some momentum to everything that's happening and you, like I said if you gain emotion for one person playing as Abby and then that person dies when you're playing as Ellie, at least you're like, I know about this, but Ellie doesn't. So am I playing as that character or am I just seeing her do these things? Is this a choice I'm making or is this something that has to happen? Maybe killing people is bad. Well, yeah, no, definitely. But to make that fully feel weighted, you need to make sure that those people are given the chance to be people and not just vicious monsters. No, just murder them. So anyway, so that's the biggest problem for me. It's just that I'm playing for Azeli, I'm getting absorbed into the story, and and I'm really interested, and I want to see where it goes. And then you get to a point where something happens, and I'm like, oh fuck, the impact of that is going to be felt. But then suddenly I have to go back to playing another twelve hours as another character to see where that ever eventually goes to. And that's the problem, you know. It's taking you twelve hours to get. It's apparently you. twelve hours to get through each half of the game. Jeez. Yeah. Um. And that's and that's the problem. But it's still, this is, and again, again, this is going to piss a lot of people off because a lot of people are against this. It's still fun to play as Abby. This mm. world's fun to experience. It's interesting to see a character that, um, she was, she was around 14, I believe, when her father, when something happened to her dad, basically. And from that point forward, she's now 19, so it's the same five years. For, for that entire time, she's been living in a community that lives in a football stadium. And she has been doing nothing but shaping and and harnessing her body to the point where she could kill a person fairly easy. Nice. And you can see that in the way that she's changed. So back in the past, she's a skinny, just normal 14-year-old girl. She's got a gun. She knows how to look after herself. She's just a 14-year-old girl. 
come forward five years and she's got fucking Chris from Resident Evil 5 style arms she's like all muscle down her back and stuff she's clearly just been honing her body so she can do one thing she doesn't care about survival of all her friends and stuff like that though that is something to do there is there is something of that in the story she that is second to her mission to find and kill a particular person mm-hmm. and in in doing that she has made herself a weapon and you can that's sort of where that I think that's where that military feeling comes from the character like she still feels invincible because she's a main character and Ellie you know you've been playing as Ellie that whole time so you've already got that like sort of in in the way that you move and you act but she's not she's not immune she's still putting on gas masks even though Ellie does that she's still putting on gas masks and things like that she's still protecting herself and concerned about environments she's going into but she is built to fucking kill stuff she's trained herself to just kill stuff and that's really interesting as a character in this sort of world because imagine like you take someone like Joel who who shaped his entire being behind smuggling, killing, and doing whatever he needed to do to fucking survive. Because mm. we meet Joel at the beginning of the first game and he's this he's a happy go lucky dad who's got his brother in town and like his little daughter's bought him a watch and she's like she's like, I love you, Dan. And he's like, well, I love you too, girl. And like his daughter dies, and then as soon as his daughter dies, he snaps. He joins I think he joins the Fireflies in the in the story, same as Tommy. Because they're both members of the Fireflies, and they're like enforcers for the Fireflies. There's a really interesting comment made by Tommy at one point. Um, oh, sorry, Ellie. Um, she says, "I've seen this before." When you go into a hotel room, and and the other character that's with you goes, "Oh, what do you mean you've seen this before?" A man tied to the chair who's been tortured. And he goes, and "She goes, no, I've seen this." And she goes behind the the bed, and you see another guy lying there. And she goes, "Basically, what you do is you take a map, and you say where are the encampments." But you do it so the other person can't see. And the other person, they point to where the encampments are and he goes, thank you. Then you go to the other person and you ask them the same question. And if the answers don't match, then you hurt them both until they do. Ooh. And I think that that's a fucking genius sort of like, in a world where you don't have access to shit that you would torture someone with normally, you've got these horrible, like precise little ideas of how to get information. And, um, and yeah, so, so you, so much history and, and especially Joel as a character he was more interesting to me because he was this you meet him and he's a smuggler you meet him and he's murdered people he kills people he has no issue with killing people you ha- he he tells you outright he's like he's like I don't see you as a little girl you're a job I need to get this done so that I can get the money and I can get away or the fireflies or whatever I'm doing this for a person that I was in love with but I've lost loved ones and I've kept going and I'll keep going after this and you get the feeling that he is a, a bad person. So instead of, after five years, him not... Like, I, I would have imagined that time would have been spent training Ellie to survive because he's done so much to keep her alive. And that immunity is precious, but it's only precious because it's keeping her alive to him. So why hasn't he been training her that whole time? Why hasn't he been, like, informing her of how to survive in this world in case Jackson falls? Maybe you'll find out in the story. You don't. You Everything to do with him is gone. I've done everything to do with Joel. I know that for a fact. And that's and mm. and that's kind of the problem. It's just that loads of people are crying about what happens to him and crying about what happens in the story. But this isn't Joel. Like it doesn't feel like the same character. Mm. But I mean, that's the whole point of the story, isn't it? It's a continuation. Like that's where they wanted to take it. Ellie's more interesting anyway, because at one point she does find out about the end of the first the first game, and she has to deal with that deal with that choice made by someone else. She has to deal with the fact that. Probably the only person in the world that can make a cure is dead and has been killed to save her. Someone who 
for all intents and purposes, is useless except as a cure. Hmm. And she has to deal with that on an emotional level. And that's more interesting than Daddy Joel went bye-bye. Um, yeah. just and I think that people that say, oh, the story's dog shit, the story's this, the story's that. I don't have any issues with the story. It's, again, it's formatting. It's formatting, it's pacing. That's my issue. Just, you can't have... Are you a world-famous game-making narrative storyteller? Mm, you're not. Obviously, they know better because they get paid the big bucks. There are people that write Call of Duty games. Yeah, and they they put a lot of effort into writing. Press the, X to pay respects. The F. Press X. Oh, press F. Yeah, you're playing PC. Yeah. I was playing on Xbox. Oh, fucking. You got to write that dialogue that gets mumbled over the loading screens. It's, it's ridiculous, isn't it? Like, it, there are there are so many great things about this game, and the game itself is solid. It's enjoyable. The stealth mechanics are fucking great. The characters are interesting, but it just it's been hampered by a choice in formatting that makes it slightly more irritating or just lessens the impact of what they wanted to do story-wise and that's disappointing but not everything's going to be perfect not everything's going to be the perfect game like I've seen people give this 10 I've seen people give it like 95% of magazines and shit like that I do read game review magazines and, and, and they're online paid off and they're not paid <laughs> off this is this is one of the strongest games on the PS4 without a doubt it's not as divisive as say Death Stranding you either it's it's going to be a thing that a lot of people enjoy if they play it if they give it a go but it's just I don't know how many people are going to be able to get past firstly that Joel's not like a main person in all of this and secondly that formatting decision but you know if they don't then you've still got 12 and a half hours of spectacular stealth action some really great fucking set pieces and graphics that I just unrivaled at this point in time. Is there any giraffes? No, there's not, but there is a zebra. Mm. You have to get to the second story to see that. I'm not so keen on zebra. No. Giraffes Like, Do you mind if I if I say something that's a very minor plot spoiler? You don't want to spoil anything because people, the four people listening, basically, you're not meant to talk about spoilers. Basically, no, 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 because they, they tell you at the, they tell you at the beginning of her story, Abby's dad is the surgeon that would have killed Ellie to formulate a cure. Yeah. That's why she's on the warpath. That's why she's built her body up. That's why she's become that person who's just for revenge. And that's interesting. That's really interesting as a concept. That's convenient. Well, no, it's not convenient because... Coincidence, isn't it? Why? That her dad was the one Joel killed. No, because he killed a hundred people in that game at the end. As he was going through the hospital, he had a flamethrower. Oh, well, what a coincidence that just so happens to be the girl. What's, well, if you had tried, like, it didn't need to be his daughter, but it's a nice touch that it's that connective tissue. Mm. It's his real daughter versus Joel's adopted daughter, essentially. That's kind of it, isn't it? Like, that's it. She had her father stolen away by a person who was doing what a father would do to protect his daughter. And that's mm. a nice connective Joel to... should have killed the girl as well. She wasn't around at the time. Like, basically, yeah. Because she was so young, she wasn't part... I don't think she was part of, like, the main yeah. military, like, team stuff. Um, but you could have made it... You know what would be even more interesting? If it was just someone Joel fucked over 25 years ago. That'd be even more interesting. Like, if it was... If it was... I think it was Marlene was his girlfriend in the first one. Mm. Maybe it's her husband. Maybe she had a husband. And he, she left him for Joel, and Joel and her became like a Bonnie and Clyde smuggling team where he was like the muscle, 
And now he's trying to hunt down the man that not only ruined his life, but also made it so that his wife is dead. Like, maybe that's it. Maybe it's someone, maybe it's someone that Joel killed their parents at the beginning of the whole thing when he first started trying to work out how to survive. Maybe it's someone not from the Fireflies. Because you find out, one of the other interesting ideas behind this is that you find out that the Fireflies were just the group in that area. Because America's so fucking massive, you've got people in New Mexico that call themselves Ravens. And you've got people in, in the area they're in now, in Jackson, that call themselves the WLF, and it stands for Wolf. No. Like, they will take on these idealistic... The yeah. They uh, all take on these idealistic group-style names and, like, become these factions of, like, just basically militaristic, militant little people all getting together. And, and, and yeah. And the the really interesting thing is that they infest an area. They don't, they don't, like, build a whole town like they've done in Jackson. They go and they find existing places. They fortify them. They hunker down, which makes more sense. But it means that you have to be in pop- more previously populated areas to do that. Mm. And it just seems like a less intelligent way of doing it. But they've done it because that's easier. And also, they don't intend to fucking leave. They intend to stick it down and kill anyone who tries to take what they've got. The thing but, is, though, is the, the game's all unbelievable because it's set in America and they have guns and they would have fixed this before it ever yeah. got bad in the first place. Yeah. But um, but it's it's... It is probably the in the top 10 games I've played on PS4. I mean, it's still a spectacular game. And what that console can do with the the amount it can do, like, it's such a shame that this happens every time a console's released, like, the best games are, well, the best-looking games, the best visually, like, visual fidelity you'll see in games is towards the end of a console's life. I know that as technology grows old, people perfect the ways to work with it, mm. and they find ways to get that little extra bit of power out of it, but it just... Ugh, I think probably Bloodborne is the only rival I know in terms of visual visual life to it, like the way the Bloodborne looks as well. It's a world. You know, there's nothing like Bloodborne. Bloodborne's all narrow streets and narrow corridors. Yeah, but, and- you know, like when you take a picture and say like a photo mode or something like that, there's nothing that can compare to the amount of detail you get from something like Bloodborne or this. No, no, Bloodborne always looked a bit sort of bleh to yeah. me. Um, but The Last of Us, it's like, okay, I'm going to give it a number because... What? <clears throat> no, I'm fucking... I'm a, I'm a weeb. What numbers have um, been in films? I can't think of an actor to, to really do it justice. So um, oh. it's an 8 out of 10. It's a strong 8 out of 10. Formatting and, uh, you know, aside, it is great. I'm really fucking enjoying it. And I think that... Um, I think that once I've completed it, I don't know if I'll go back and do New Game Plus because there is a New Game Plus in this one. But um, but I'll definitely I'll definitely sort of go back and try the first few levels again. Maybe in New Game Plus you find out the real story. Maybe, um, but yeah, I'm I'm really enjoying it. I think it's a really strong game. I think it's been there's a lot of trolls that are angry about it. Yeah, because they love to get angry about games where you play as women. I th- and I don't think it's just that. I think they're also especially that. I think there are also there's a lot the of transphobes. Little weirdos. There was a weird transphobic thread before this came out because the main woman's quite well built, mm. and obviously the game explains that. But you have to go twelve hours into the game to see the explanation for that. And no, you need to explain why a woman's buff, don't you? That's really important. Well, no, you just she have can't to... just be buff. Well, it's she's buff to a level where it's like bodybuilder buff, mm, and cool. I think in the apocalypse that's. 
less reasonable because obviously there are rations. You don't get the same levels of protein and things like that. It's not really... I eat bugs. <laughs> it's not really the type of environment where people would be able to build up that level of muscle and such. Half the people running around have got like mushrooms in their heads. Yeah. Eat them. Yeah. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting is that, that, you know, there are all these people that are saying like, oh, it's got to be a guy because look at the arms, look at this, look at that. And I'm like, she could just be taking steroids. I mean, it's not illegal because nothing's illegal anymore. You can take whatever you fucking want. If you want to get jacked, take steroids. And I mean, she might have. She's fucking massive. Like, she could beat the shit out of anyone. Mm. Um, but there are women that are massive. There are women that are built that big. But it's just, like I said... Yeah, your browser history agrees. Yeah. There's a, there's a certain calorie intake you need to, to sort of build up. But, you know, again, she could just be, like, fucking eating, like, tons of expired protein bars and just powering through. Who knows? Who am I to judge? Oh, yeah. So, um, sorry, Crunch. We do need to speak about this very quickly. Dude, um, like, the thing's going two hours now. Neil Druckmann's an, an, a fucking cunt, isn't he? <laughs> he's not very good at directing a video game, is what I'm going to say, because I think he's the reason that formats like that. Before mm. the game came out, I think in 2018, I was reading this, that he said that he wanted to show that there were, that there were um, consequences to actions, but he wanted to show that in a way that meant that we saw all the consequences. But the problem is that he's done it in a way that you forget a lot of the consequences. Because <laughs> if you're doing something for 12 hours and then you like, you get to the end where you're like, oh yeah, I killed a friend 14 hours ago. <laughs> it's, it's a bonus for people who speed run. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, it's, it's one of when those crazy... When you speed run the game. No. It's one of those crazy things where he's just like, I just, I always, I always think about that. Like, if you play Resident Evil 2 and you play through Leon A and then you play through Claire B, it all makes sense. And because those two stories are threaded between each other because mm. you meet at points in the game yeah. and like it happens in a natural way and you know there are sections where you play as other characters just like in Last of Us 2 and the game takes about the same amount of time to complete like as Last of Us 2 in total does and I think that's really interesting that a game from 1998 does it better <laughs> does it better than a game released in 2020 <laughs> that's fucking insane to me but yeah anyway Last of Us it's like yeah it's 8 out of 10 I don't I don't know an act, I can't think of an actor that precisely puts that and I can't I it, it isn't fucking like a 5 out of 10 it isn't like a 4 out of 10 that some people are saying and it's definitely not a 0 out of 10 like a fucking bunch of the trolls are saying it is it is so close to being a really fucking good game if they just if he if that Neil Drunkman cunt had just stopped doing the whole crunch thing given him a little bit of extra time and formatted it better like give you guys the time to do the job. Don't tell them when it's going to be done. You manage everything so that it gets done. Yeah, what you need to time. do is you need to cut stuff from the game and be willing to cut stuff from the game. Yeah. And not overstretch the boundaries of what you should be doing. Because crunch is a failure of management. Exactly. Exactly. And also, just, if you're trying to do... Crunch something- doesn't go away if they make it take longer. If they delay a game, that's just more months of crunch. Well, no, but what I'm saying is that if you if you have... If you have, like, say, someone says you've got five years to build this game. Have we got an engine? Okay, it's going to take us this long to do an engine. You're, you as a manager, you have to say to someone whether it's a realistic expectation that this will be mm. complete or not. And then once you've got to the point where you say you're a year into the project and you're having those meetings where you're like, this is where we are. This is where we expect it to be. We're behind or we're in front by this amount. So we're hoping that those assets can be used in other departments to hopefully continue us speeding through. If not then by year three, we'll know how long it's going to take to complete the project. Once you get to year three and you can say that, you can say, we'll need another year. Let's push this back by a year. Or we'll be able to finish this 
on the expected date, but we won't finish before. Take that time. Take that time. Do it properly. But it's all this idea of it's on the workers to make up for the mistakes of management. I've worked in businesses where they've turned around and they said, we need you to work this weekend. Oh, why? Because we've got no one else on to manage what's happening. You won't need to do much. We just need you to be on your PC for the weekend, able to answer calls if something comes through. And you can tell, every time they ask you to do that, you can tell you're going to be on the phone the whole fucking weekend. You aren't going to get a break. You aren't going to get... And then on Monday, when it comes through to the, the team meeting, they won't say, oh, thank you for doing this. Oh, we're going to pay you X, Y, Z, and we're going to give you an extra day, mm. get an extra couple of days off. They'll say, cheers for doing that. It's like, did I have a fucking choice? Because if I had a choice, you're thanking me because I had a choice, right? You could have told me I had a choice and I would have said, no, I'm just going to do anything other than this shit on the weekend. That's what you get for working office jobs. Should well, work in... Um... No, that's it's particular office jobs. I think there's a lot to be said about small businesses that don't know how to manage different departments correctly. And if they hire someone to manage something and they say you have all the powers of a manager, manage this, and then they say another department is failing to manage their team, we need you to come in and deal with that. You have to just sometimes say, no, I'm not going to deal with that, but I will deal with the consequences of me telling you I'm not able to do that. But the consequences will always be they'll make you do it anyway or they'll fire you. Like that's small small businesses, early starts. Small businesses, big no, businesses. No, That's how crunch happens. Well, Crunch yeah, happens because they say to you, oh, it would be a shame if you didn't have a job Each around. of these yeah. teams is like a small business. They aren't mm. like... they, And also, all of the developers... It's such a fucking shame the industry works this way, but most developers are just hired to do the job, and then as soon as the job's over, they're fired. They aren't kept on. They don't keep retainer staff to do jobs. If they've got two projects being produced at once, they've got one team producing one project, another team producing another project. Once one project's complete, that team's gone. Mm. I mean, look at what happened to the fucking people that made Walking Dead Saints and Sinners. They haven't even finished releasing the product. Another team's making another version of the product, but they fired the initial team, hired a new team for PSVR, fired that team, and now they've got a new team for Oculus Quest. It's, the whole fucking industry's fucked. It's ridiculous. Your review, right? Well, it's freaking two hours now. Sorry. You and you're rambling. Sorry. Because you can't help yourself. Apologise to the children again. Sorry, children. There you go. Fuckers. Right, um... I played Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise. How's that going? It's good. Yeah? It's um, it's the Fist of the North Star game. It's made by Ryuga Gatoku Studios, which is the people who make the Yakuza games. Yes. I've heard it's, it's more than just Yakuza with Fist of no, the North Star. No, no, it's Yakuza with Fist of the North Star. Oh, okay. It's exactly that. All right. Um, right the way down to the menus and oh. the way you level up and stuff. And all the characters are voiced by the cast from Yakuza games. And Oh, really? And you're like in a city that's basically like... Camarocho, but it's post-apocalyptic and there's bars and stuff I've got a job waiting a bar I've got a job managing a bar and like um, the hostess club like place which is like the hostess club has practically the same row layout as Majima's bar from Yakuza 0 yeah um, and it is very much a Yakuza game like it works because Kenshiro well Kazuma Kira is like partially based on Kenshiro anyway mm. as a character he is like the guy who's you know dangerous and you know, all this sort of stuff, but he, you know, he'll do the right thing. He'll help people out. He'll get involved in situations and stuff to help make life better for people. Yeah. And it makes a lot of sense in Apocalyptic Wasteland with him because Kenshiro's like a Mad Max character. He'll always he'll always say, oh, I don't have time for this sort of thing, but then he'll make someone's head explode with his fingers, which is fun. Um, the only real major difference is there's, you can drive a car around in the wasteland. You can leave the city and drive to other locations for yeah. plot points and stuff. 
Um, there's mini games and stuff still though. There's a cool game where bikers are charging towards what used to be a baseball field. It's mm. just a plate, and you pick up a girder and you just smack them into the horizon. Um, awesome. See how far you can knock them. Um, but there's you know there's other mini games like doing the cocktails, and there's three different ways of doing the cocktails. Like you're either chipping away at an ice cube to make a perfect ball for the cocktail, or you're spinning a stick to stir the cocktail perfectly. Or you have to shake the controller sideways. It says to use two hands, but you have to hold the controller sideways to do it. I don't know how you'd... I guess it wants you to hold the top and bottom of the controller and shake it. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, you make drinks like that. And then as you make the drinks better, the people get happier with you. And then they might give you better offers in the stores they run. Things like that. So it's all very much like a Yakuza game. Um, this is weird. The plot like starts off the beginning tutorial that teaches you how to do the basics is basically the finale of the first main arc in Fist of North Star, where you fight Shin, and Shin tells you that Yuri is dead. Although she's not, because Ken's heard that she's around somewhere. And that's what leads you to this town called Eden, which is where only certain people are allowed in. takes a lot to get into the city, until some bad guys blow the entire front of the wall apart, and then bandits keep breaking in. Like an attack on time. Um, But, yeah, there's like... It's like this storyline that takes place directly after the Shin arc yeah. of Fist and All-Star, but it's like its own alternate universe. It wouldn't fit in anywhere else in Fist and All-Star. It wouldn't fit in after. Characters from the anime and the manga turn up, and you have like super abridged versions of their storylines. Yeah. So um, Ray turns up, and he's looking for his sister who's been kidnapped, and he's been told it's a man with seven stars who does it. And you fight him, and then it turns out his sister's alive. It's oh. really quickly done. You fight him in a tour, in a, in a coliseum, and it's like, oh, it's not me who did it. It's someone else who was always wearing a mask. The girl tells you, and that's Jaggy. You're gonna, so we're gonna come across Jaggy. We're gonna fight him, um, you know. And it's just things like that where it will be like a character will want somehow wander into this town, yeah. and you'll get involved in, or you'll drive somewhere, and you'll bump into the character who in the anime is like way later or something. Mm. Um, tying in the characters, but doing their own little mini versions of the stories and stuff. It's not retreading the anime in any way. It's not like the cutscenes are the same. It's like this entire alternate universe take on it. Like, like it's not recreating the stories as such. It's just sort of like going, okay, this is what this person's about, and then you solve it by punching things in the face until they explode. Um, and it's quite cool. I like the way the combat works. It's not about necessarily knocking the opponent's health down fully. You can kill them by doing that, but if you hit them enough times, they've got this little skull icon that fills up. Once it fills up, you can press circle to hit their pressure point, and at first, that'll stun them, Yeah. and then you can do a second hit, and that's when you do the jabbing thumbs into their ears or the hundred fist punch uh, of the North Star and shit, yes. and they're all like little mini QTE events, and they level up and get more difficult to pull off, Okay. so they do more damage when that happens, Yeah. because um, some enemies won't be killed straight away. Some boss characters won't be killed by that instantly. They'll They'll just get up and be like, they'll carry on coming for you. It sounds a bit like No More Heroes. Yeah, it's just a way of killing people. Yeah. But um, you eventually get like a quick way of doing that as well, where you'll hit the pressure point and there'll be a little quick QT instantly. And if you press the pressure point a second time, yeah, blows them up instantly. Oh, no. Sometimes their death screen, they'll scream and you collect up their death screens. It's an unlockable to collect up the screams of death. But they'll shout out a word and that word will appear in the area. So it'll be like, ah, like in big letters. Oh, okay. And then you can pick that up and smack people with the with the letters <laughs> nice. that you picked up. It's very fun and silly stuff. It is very much a Yakuza game set in the Fist of North Star world. 
Um, yeah. There's one DLC for it, which has turned Kenshiro into Kazuma Kiru. I've like, seen as, that. A, as a bonus thing. Um, and you can have his classic manga costume. Oh, nice. Um, and there's like no explanation of how his shirt comes back after you fight, just like the anime. Because um, when you power up a yeah, big dipper thing, press R2 and his shirt rips off mm. and you're powered up. As soon as that power up goes, it's back on. Um, and there's loads of stuff. And there's like four separate skill trees and all those skill trees split off in their own paths and stuff. And every time you level up or do certain tasks, you get orbs to spend on the skill trees, which is how you power him up and make him stronger and make his special moves last longer or give him more moves to do. Um, you can do some awesome stuff though. You start unlocking counter attacks. So like you hold L1 and hit circle at just the right time when someone throws a punch and you'll like smack him in the arm with a pressure point and it disables their arm. Or if an enemy fires a crossbow at you and you've unlocked the ability, you can grab the crossbow in in your fingers, turn it around and fling it straight back into the head. And it's like done as a cutscene. So it's not, it's not like it's super tricky to do. If you see someone's about to fire, you hold L1 and it'll come up in the middle of the screen with a big circle. Twat it. And he just goes, boom, catches the arrow, fins it around, flings it back in their face, and you see him go, ah, and the head explodes. It's a lot of fun. It makes you feel like Kenshiro more so than that those um, Muso games they did on the PS3, which were like the right idea, but they didn't quite pull off being a good Muso game. It was like, Fist of the North Star as a Dynasty Warrior-style game should work. Yeah, but they did like, so they did something called Vertical Combat Moves. So every move had a vertical, um, vertical we impact. We played it. All right. You just beat him up. The thing is with it no, is that your you, you, you don't know, have the it, range of a yeah, character. Yeah, they basically had vertical. So your move, so all your moves would be down a vertical line in front of your character. They didn't have any mm. wide moves, and they didn't have anything that would affect like an area of no, effect. No, you, you had roundhouse kicks and stuff like that. It depended on how you took them on. But the thing was that your range wasn't like in this. Your roundhouse game. kick was still is still a vertical. Yeah. It still had a vertical impact range. It was really weird. I agree that that should work absolutely fine, but it just didn't. Mm. Um, do you remember the Afro Samurai game? No, no one played that. I did. Bollocks. I had Afro Samurai. The demo was wank. I had Afro Samurai on the Xbox 360, and I think I'm. I still have a copy of Afro Samurai 2 on the on the PS4. No, oh, what well, the downloadable game? That was terrible. Yeah, it was terrible, and they deleted it from yeah. the minute so you can play it anymore. But I've still got. A copy I'm pretty sure it only actually went on sale for a few months, didn't it? No, it was even less than that. It was like a week. Was it? Yeah, because I got it pre-release for a review, and I played through one chapter of it, and then it said you cannot download this file because <laughs> you couldn't download the. Yeah. Man, the first North Star Lost Paradise is good stuff. Yeah, it's a nice little side story for. Um, Fist of North Star, Yakuza-style stuff. Because mm. um, Judgment's the other side story. Well, they've also... They've never brought them out over here, but there's the... They've done a few side story things with Fist of North Star. There was that zombie one that got released here, but they never brought out the samurai ones. Um, they never brought out the PSP one where you play a young cop what? in Camarocho. There's there's like 14 Fist of the North of Yakuza games. <gasps> I haven't even played Last Battle. That's, ba- that's Fist of North. That's a different game. You said Fist of North Star I meant Yakuza. I said Yakuza, oh, Yakuza. games. But um, this is like a the first Yakuza spin-off that's like an entirely different franchise base. Yeah. Um, I've decided that the games, when, when we do do Yakuza games as clones, because you know like how they call Dark Souls games Souls-likes? All yeah. those games. Right, that's rubbish. Don't call them that. Can't have a better name for it. But Yakuza games can be... Um, was it... Was it, I had a funny name for it. I mean, if you had a funny name, you should just be able to tell us it. What's a funny name? Yeah, hold on. <laughs> My Japanese name was Ryu Gagato clones. I don't know what that is. Ryu Gagatoku is the Japanese name for the series. Oh, okay. See, that was really clever. That was very clever. Yeah, Ryu Gagatoku. Yakuza Mups. 
Oh, okay. Yakuza Mups. Okay. Yeah, see, that's clever. Yeah. I think that's a good name because it's a beat em up and it's Yakuza style. Yeah. Loads of the weirdos are angry about the seventh Yakuza game that's coming out because um, it's got RPG style combat. And I'm like, fuck it, whatever. Yeah. It's the it's like the 500th game in the series. Let them, let them do RPG combat. It I looks funny. It was, I saw it was you can summon based. lobster. Yeah, I saw it was turn based. Yeah. I was just like, yeah, fine. You can summon a, a drunk businessman to beat up your opponents. Like, yeah. Like, the problem is that I think Yakuza's reached a point where until they transfer the series over to the next gen and, I don't know, increase the size of the town you're in. No, never increase the size of the town. Yeah. That's the great thing about Camarocho. The town is like a small little area. It's densely populated with stuff and it gradually develops as the sh- games go on. Yeah. That's like that's that's kind of the thing, isn't it? There's nowhere they can really take those games they haven't already been. I mean, they do other towns. There's always like side stories and you go yeah, to other I know, places. But like, Yakuza 6 has Osaka that you go to and that's like a completely different change of place. But like, place. you know what I mean though? Like the, the technical side of it and also what you do in each of those places. You can't really advance that anymore. So if you change the combat... At least it's a significant enough change mm. that's going to feel like a new game. And also opens up the avenue to all kinds of ridiculous shit. Like you said, like getting a crab to come in and fight your battles or a drunk businessman. Mm. I mean, imagine what they could do with the boss fights going forward. It'd be like, oh no, the boss has become a giant overfiend. That'd be normal. You have to fight the devil rebirth in um, Fist of North Star at the start, yeah. fairly early on. It rockets you through the first few chapters. But um, the Devil Rebirth site, first attempt I got slaughtered on, and then I realised there's a ladder behind him. Yeah. He comes out of a giant cage thing. Oh, because the Devil Rebirth is like like forty foot tall, giant mm. man, and in the in the um, anime, Kenshiro fights him, and he ends up jumping up him, and he leaps up into the air and like hits pressure points all the way down his body, oh, nice. and causes him to just go. <laughs> um, and he's do a similar thing in this. He punches feet enough. You're just like whacking away at his feet like crazy, going ah like that until he collapses to his knees, and then you climb up this ladder and attack him from the top. And he's like smacking his fist down and things. And I'll tell you what you want to do. You want to just you want to just focus on the webbing of the feet. I mean, between tear that, days. Yeah. tear that to shit. Yeah, because that hurts. But I'm looking forward to seeing some other villains they do. I want them, I want them to bring in some of the other ones, better and bad have guys. Have you completed the, show. the game yet, or have you? No, no, no. I'm just wandering through it. Take my time with this. Yeah. With this. Um, it'll be a CQ's game. It'll take forever to finish. That's true. Um, many on like chapter six or something. It did turn out there's a giant secret nightclub in the town though, which is quite cool. Um. Yeah, at night the the walls of this building come down. And there's a massive nightclub hidden behind it. Yeah. So at night you can go and do hostess club stuff, which is cool because nice. it's you know it's the accuser game at heart. Yeah. Um, and it's fun and like helping people out. There was a chicken in my bedroom. I went into my bedroom and there's a chicken in there. I spoke to it and it gave me a talisman. And then every now and again I can press a button. It will give me a hundred thousand dollars. Nice. It's <laughs> pretty sweet. Yeah, that's what the money chicken. Yeah. I want yeah. that. That'd be handy right now. But, um, yeah, it's quite fun. Yeah. I, I like it. You apparently have some video games hidden away in there. You can find relics out I've in the seen, wasteland. I've seen that you can play... Um, There's Outrun, Super something. Hang On, Space yeah. Harrier, and the Master Space System. Space Harrier is the one I was aware of. It's got the Master System, Fist of the North Star game Oh, as really? Well. Last Battle? Yeah, no. Last Battle was Mega Drive. Last Battle? No. Master System one before came before it. Hokuto Norkin. Is any good? Um, Probably not. Probably not. I might play it. There hasn't been many good Fist of the North Star games. I'll play games. for it just, just because. It's one of the earlier. It was an SG-1000 one. So it's like, Jesus. It's pretty, like... Yeah. It's not the most basic those games went, because we didn't really get the really early ones over here. That no. We basically didn't... slightly above Atari. We didn't get the single... That was like the NES quality looking games. God. 
Earliness. I, I still remember the SG-1000. I remember the... Um, my friend had one. You didn't uh, have an SG-1000. That was just pan only. No, no. My friend had one. Like a Japanese... A Japanese one. And I can remember that we played a game that was top down. You were a ninja. And it was essentially just a single colour background. And every so often there'd be a colour for a bush. And then there'd be some ninjas coming at you. It was crap. I hated it. You sure you weren't playing an Atari 2600? I'm pretty sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it was like a weird slopey console. It wasn't an Atari. Atari's are slopey consoles. It was white? No, it was black. It was black. It was a Mars system. Is it white? SG-1000 was white. All the SG series ones yeah, in Japan were. Yeah, it was white. Yeah, it was like... It's, it's, yeah, it was weird. Um, he was Japanese, though. You're Japanese. Oh. Okay. Mm. Mm. Memory Fist of the North Star Lost Paradise. It's fun. Yeah, it is very fun. I'm I sure. like punching things. I've got stickers in there. I Came haven't played it yet. I spent a long time having it on my wish list on Amazon mm. and also on eBay. Didn't buy it. And now I've bought... Uh, Days Gone to play after The Last of Us because I apparently haven't had enough of zombies in my time. Uh, and also, I found time on a day this week to replay through the entirety of Dead Rising, which I can still do in a very quick time. I wouldn't bother. I love that game. Dead Rising is a good demo. Dead Rising is a great game. The demo was the best no, it's thing about it. a great game. Dead Rising 1 is really fun and it's a bit like Resident Evil for me. It's like an, it's like an exercise in meditation completing that. Yeah. Uh. Because Resident Evil is the same sort of thing. Resident Evil, once I get into it... Yeah, I really enjoy games where characters just decide to stand around and get eaten by zombies when you're meant to be guiding them. I've never had that problem. They're fucking but then pain again, else. But then again, I am good at it, so... Ter- terrible at it. You're meant to get am, the people I eaten by zombies. It, so, I mean, if you're bad at it, then... The aim of the game is to get people eaten by zombies. Do you know you can get a good ending and only save, like, 20 people? <laughs> you can get the secret ending if you save a little bit more than that really easy though there's like two missions where you get five people a piece in the first day because you get the cultists in the cinema you can get like all five of those on the third day and you can get five people on the same day that you see the photographer I never bothered finishing it did you not couldn't be asked. I can literally do it in like a few hours too much hassle I really liked it too much running back and forth nope you can get it done pretty quickly I just hang around in the main office and then just wait for the game to win really yeah safe up there knock myself away Anyway, say goodbye because it's been nearly two and a half hours. Bye, everyone. It's way this too has long. This Apocalypse episode 137. You can find it on Twitter at LV54SpaceMonkey. You can also find it on YouTube as at Mellow Gaming. He also has care. a Power Rangers channel on YouTube. Power Rangers. I'm pretty sure it's called Power Rangers. Super <laughs> Sentai Power Rangers. Fucking power butt faces. Butt fucking power monsters. Power bottoms. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you can find me at Critapocalypse on Twitter and Talk towards YouTube. the mic You can find me at Critapocalypse on YouTube and Twitter um, uh, I mean I can't even make jokes about politics anymore It's all a fucking joke in itself, isn't it? It's not worth it No, it's just not I guess we're getting Tim Tams At reasonable prices We've been denied them far too long We're getting them at reasonable pr- How much is a reasonable price for a Tim Tam According to Boris Johnson, do you reckon? 200 quid. 20, 25 pound a pack? Yeah. Yeah, probably. Fucking cunt. I hate them. Conservatives are racists. Black Lives Matter. They do. Although in the film Bright, Will Smith says the line, fairy lives don't matter today. And I think that he probably regrets saying that. <laughs> no, because he's white. Will Smith is the whitest black man that ever lived. Nah, I mean, that's Colton is. Yeah. 
Well, that's who Will Smith is. Will oh, Smith is secretly, Carlton. Yeah, he is Carlton. He basically is. Yeah. I hope Tim Westwood's trending for being a pervert. Of course he is. Anyway, say bye. Bye. Bye, everyone. Bye, Christiana bye. rapes children. Oh, <laughs>